Knock, knock. Uh, who's there? Interrupting host. Interrupting host. Hello, who? and welcome to the new episode of Streaming Eve. My name is Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> Your interrupting host, and my interrupted and annoyed, because I did not give him a heads up that I was going to this, <laughs> co-host is Eric McGill, the unapologetic geek himself. The last thing I expected from you today was a knock-knock <laughs> joke, but okay, here we are. <laughs> How have you been, Eric? I've been okay. Yeah, I uh, I had to do some housework today, so I like I had to fight with a freaking bathroom fan, and it hurt my fist. It cut off okay. the tip of my finger. Tell the listeners how you cut off the. <laughs> well, by being a complete and utter Jasper. Um, <laughs> I, I turned it on to make sure it was working, and then I wanted to like readjust it, and I, I didn't turn it off when I reached up to readjust it, so my finger went into the fan and yeah, sliced off the tip of my finger. So much fun. Yes. So don't don't feel any sympathy for him, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. It's fine. <laughs> um, this is of course the last episode we're gonna deal with peripheral. Um, have I learned how to say peripheral in eight episodes? Not quite. It's gotten better though. Like it's improved. <laughs> uh, this is just like when my friends back in high school found out that I can't say coin again. <laughs> I say it kind of with a K, and I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> um, there's so, this yeah, one this... podcast I listened to where like this guy, he like reads things that other people have written for him and they discovered that he can't really pronounce the word effortlessly. So they put it <laughs> in every single script just to trip him up. <laughs> um, if the listeners haven't seen the clips from the docu- uh, Penguin documentary where, um, <laughs> what's his face? Dr. Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch can't speak, say the word penguins. It's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, it just kind of break down. At one point, he said pangolins, which is not even close. That's not a penguin. It's a pangolin. <laughs> they don't even live in the same climate. <laughs> um, yeah. So what I was saying was, this is the we're gonna be dealing with the season finale of peripheral today. So, um, and but as usual, we're gonna talk about other stuff first. But what I want to say up top is, after this, we decided what we're gonna do next. We're gonna. Take it a little bit slow and probably do like one-off things for a few weeks um, to find our next big thing, um, which you can help contribute to by emailing the streaming heap at outlook.com. Um, something substantial, some good sci-fi, goddamn it. Recommend us <laughs> some. Um, but next week we're gonna look at the sci-fi phenomenon that has been sweeping the world. Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. We talked about it winning all those awards last episode, um, but I want to break it down. And Eric, you haven't seen it, so it's yes, perfect. I revealed to my to my eternal shame that I hadn't seen it yet last week. Yeah, I'm gonna re- like it, there's a limited re-release on the cinema in the cinema, so I'm gonna go watch it this weekend and um, try not to cry cry in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, next week, E-E-A-A-O. Um, I'm going to say that until Eric is completely annoyed. <laughs> um, so before we get to the big explosive finale to Peripheral, let's talk about what we've been watching. Eric. 
You yeah. watched a dad movie. <laughs> I watched on. Yes, I did watch a dad movie, and I watched it with my son. <laughs> um, I watched uh, Top Gun Maverick. Um, I hadn't seen it yet. Um, and a lot of what people have been saying about it is actually correct. It, it's really good. It's so much better of a movie than the first one. Um, well, because the first movie is not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> I rewatched it recently. <laughs> I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I, I can't speak to it. But even in my memory, it's kind of cheesy and hokey and stupid and, and jingoistic. Rah, 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 and yeah, it's it's a product of its time. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, but this one's an actual like movie with like some actual like emotional stakes that aren't contrived. Um, okay. it, it's still it's still like a soap opera for guys it's still a melodrama <laughs> okay um don't get your hopes up that it's like complex it's not it's very simple but it's still really really well done and tom cruise actually acts which he almost never does um <laughs> more importantly he plays a character who is flawed like he plays a uh, kind of a broken character who isn't afraid i mean he's not afraid to show a character who's like making mistakes being kind of pig-headed you know like it's weird from tom cruise because tom cruise usually just plays superhero tom cruise um and in this movie when he's when he's maverick in the in the chair of a, a fighter jet he's still a superhero because he's maverick but when he's not in an airplane he's still kind of like figuring out how to be like a human being and it's kind of interesting to see that because yeah, tom- all <laughs> because you know that i think that speaks to true life like tom cruise trying to figure out how to be a human being um... <laughs> he's not trying to figure out anything <laughs> he's he's fine being the robotic uh, movie making <laughs> automaton that he is um it is a little long the movie is a little too long like the middle portion drags there's not a lot that happens during the second act but the third act the like 45 minute long climax is intense and incredible and i love it i love every minute of it it's so good um doesn't it everyone is... love 45 minute long climax I, I mean it's great i mean like it's not as long <laughs> as say fury road which is the entire movie <laughs> Yes, Stop I got the joke. Ignoring my innuendo. I got the joke. I'm moving Acknowledge on. Acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Jennifer Connelly is in it, and she's wearing mm-hmm. a jean jacket, and that really that kind of does it for me. I'm I'm madly in love with Jennifer Connelly. I don't mind saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was good. I, I, I Miles Teller. He plays. If you've seen the original Top Gun, he he plays the son of Goose, you know, the guy who died in the first movie. Um, and they they do this thing where they put him in the same clothes. They give him the same stupid mustache. They even have him like playing the piano and singing Great Balls of Fire. They go way too far making it like this guy's exactly like his dad. They, they, <laughs> they do that way too much. They lean into that way too hard. Um, and Miles Teller is just Miles Teller. Like. He's nothing special. I don't think he's that good of an actor, and I don't really like him. Now, to be fair, I've never seen Whiplash, and that's what everybody always tells me when I start ragging on Miles Teller. They say, go see Whiplash. And it's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a good movie. It's it's still It still has some of the same DNA as the original Top Gun, but it is more sophisticated, um, and the action's more intense. That's all. See, my main... My main problem with Miles Teller is his name sounds like what a redneck would call a speedometer. <laughs> it's Miles Teller. <laughs> hey, Ma, something's wrong with the Miles Teller. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. 
that I always delayed. <laughs> so I always derail your <laughs> analysis when time jumps. Uh, <laughs> see, uh, okay. Um, do you want any more? Do you want? Do you have any more on um, Top Gun Maverick? Uh, well, only that like I, I watched it with my fourteen-year-old son, and like yeah, I, I meant to ask how did he like it? He freaking loved it. Um, he's kind I of a, he've never seen the original though. No, he's never seen the original. He had I had to describe it to him, you know, explain the plot to him as it was related to this one, because you kind of do have to know all that stuff. Um, but it's not hard to tell you the plot of the original Top Gun. I can do it in two seconds. <laughs> but like um, I can I can do it. Tom Cruise and Manchild uh fighter pilot is uh <laughs> like a showboat and awful, and he doesn't learn a lesson. He get his children, he got his friend killed, he doesn't learn a, his lesson, and he, he become a hero. That's yeah, the I, plot of the original movie. There's you're no not wrong. Arc. Um <laughs> And it, that's one of the reasons this is a better movie. There is a character arc. He does learn shit. Um, <laughs> and he even like starts the movie like saying things that Maverick wouldn't have learned by now. Like he's saying things like we need to show these guys that they had like he's become a trainer at the Top Gun facility. Yeah. Um, and he, he's talking about how he has to train these guys and teach them that they're not hot shit, that they don't know everything, that they have things to learn because they've been told their whole life they're the best of the best of the best. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, that was Maverick. Like, of course, that's what he thought. And in the end of the movie, he proved that he was the best of the best of the best. So he had nothing yeah. to learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like he he um, he got get his friend killed by being like super competitive and showboating. Yeah. And then he resolved the final conflict by being super competitive. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he learned to fly in like in a squad with um Iceman, but that's li the literal least you could do. <laughs> yeah, that's not really a character arc. But this one like I said, it does have a character arc and has a good one and it and it ties into like the thematic moral debate it's like i said it's simple it's not complicated but at least there is something there there's there's definitely more to it than the original top gun it's not just guys on the beach playing volleyball without their shirts on <laughs> I, I i do hear there's a, a different shirtless sports scene in there it. is a different shirtless sports football? scene in it yeah it's uh, yeah american football kind of okay but like not really rules I mean, like it's more like kill the man um yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you can't really play American football at the amateur level. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's too, you can't follow the rules. It's, it's too much of a fucking uh, manufactured sport, um, commercial sport. Um, me and my friend actually rewatched Top Gun, the first one, with the like because we, we were thinking of going and watching Maverick, and we hated rewatching that movie so much. We're like, Nah. <laughs> so, so now that I hear you say that, maybe I'll go give it a chance. Yeah. I uh, mean, I, don't go in with really high expectations. Because like I said, it's still got the same DNA of the original Top okay. Gun. But it is definitely a much better movie. That's all okay. I'll say. How like strange and unnatural it feel that they won't name the enemy country? Like, It's pretty weird, especially right at the beginning. Where they're just like, they launch into it. They're like, there's this facility where they're enriching uranium. They? Like, like who are we talking about? And then like, they'll, they'll like say things like, the enemy. <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's very weird. <laughs> that make it more like dystopian, you know? That yeah. make it actually worse. I mean, in the original <laughs> Top Gun, they don't ever say who they're fighting. But of course, everybody knows because it's the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And they're flying MiGs, of course. Mm. 
But in yeah, this yeah. one, it, it's 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 just odd in this one to not name the enemy. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you had a good experience, and you you showed your um son army propaganda. Great. Uh, <laughs> that's another <laughs> thing. This one isn't as as like jingoistic as the original. Like it doesn't. It's still there, but it's not like flag waving Jerry Bruckheimer rah rah rah. It's not. It's it doesn't go there. Like it kind of okay. keeps that to a minimum, which I really appreciate, actually. <laughs> Does anyone repeat that weird teeth thing Iceman did in the original, <laughs> which is the unexplicable thing that always stuck with me? Where he's like, oh, like God, no. really close. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Are you threatening to bite him? <laughs> But Iceman is in this movie, and he probably shouldn't be, because Val Kilmer, look, Can't he had medical really speak, issues, right? yeah. and yeah, he, he, I don't mean to to say anything bad about Val Kilmer, because he's been through some shit, but he's not really up to acting anymore. I, I don't think they should have put him in the movie, because his scene is yeah. really weird. It's it's very hard to keep, like, your suspension of disbelief, because, like, they even have okay. him where he's not really talking. He's, like, typing into a computer, and they're, like, showing yeah. what he's saying in the computer. And it just feels really awkward and uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't... They... It feels more like he's being exploited. I know he's not. I know he signed up okay. willingly. But it still feels kind of icky. Did they... Did they say that his character also have medical issues or yeah but kind of like not naming the enemy they don't really say what it is um it's uh, heavily implied it's some kind of cancer um uh, okay but they don't actually like come out and say it okay well all right well let's move on to um uh, what i've been watching because you've been watching uh dead movies I've been watching, um, well, what do you call it? Uh, YA stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, young adult stuff. Um, I think I've talked about Shadow and Bones on this um, podcast before. I'm pretty sure I talked about it when episode uh, season one came up. Do you remember me telling you about it? It sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you. No. Or maybe I just thought about doing thing. <laughs> it does sound like something you've talked about, but it was a year ago, probably. So what do I know? <laughs> Season two is out and I've seen everything but uh, the last episode. I keep meaning to watch it, but like I have to do other things and I have to deal with my, um, um, you know, uh, Life. partying and alcohol consumption yeah yeah <laughs> life, life yeah, yeah yeah the way you put it is much better life <laughs> um so um i haven't got around to actually watching the final episode yet but um a plus on for this show i had to go to sleep because i stayed up watching until two in the morning and i had work <laughs> the next day and i'm like i cannot watch another hour of this um so at the end of season one i was mixed i was like I really like half the characters in this show, uh, but I'm re I really hated all the love triangles. There was like four love triangles in the first <laughs> scene. And I'm like, the main plot is way worse than the subplot. Um, uh, like, um, I hope they get to make season two, and I hope it's better. It seems all my wishes are answered because season two is much, much better. Like, Pure uh, triangles. So <laughs> yeah well yeah well there is still triangles but um they make more sense like they're not manufactured anymore but let me give let me start by giving you the quick overview of the world like it is a little bit like avatar the last airbender world because a subset of um everybody is born with magical powers but they all have slightly different ones 
Um, I, I, they haven't like sat down and done an exposition of listing everything, but they they like some of them can manipulate ma- uh, metal, and some of them can like throw fireballs. You know, okay. Um, some I, of them are you definitely. Healers. I think you definitely did talk about this because now I I got it. I remember all this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and um, the the world is also like um, vaguely divided into like oh medieval steampunk. Um, this is essentially um, um, Amsterdam <laughs> with like London thrown in it, right? And you know, and there's a the Asian equivalent nation, and then there's a like. Um, uh, essentially more colder <laughs> Russia. <laughs> For some reason, I think like two countries are analogous to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> but the big thing is like hundreds of years ago, there was a, um, a, a, a family that um, uh, that can manipulate shadows, like, like um, it's a magic that is unique to this bloodline um the 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 one that started it all is like super you know um he he experimented with magic a lot and um he he started making magic that doesn't follow the rules of like actual magic and like have terrible price to pay yada 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 but it eventually led to the birth of this um somebody they come to call darkling who made a giant shadow wall, wall wall in the middle of one of the continents, like cutting off trades and making things harder and stuff. And inside the shadow, there are monsters and shit. And he started attacking non-magic users because non-magic users were maybe discriminating against magic users, that kind of things. There's a lot of magic racism going on as well. <laughs> you know? um, okay. But season one, um uh, is about discovery of this light summoner uh, called sun summoner like kind of like a prophesized living saint right and the main girl who's an orphan of course um t- uh, turned out to be the sun summoner and uh, he's being trained by this um uh, he, he she get she get taken to the uh palace and get trained by um uh, this enigmatic um magic advisor to the king um who makes sure that people who uh, magic users who that he can influence and take under his wing is not discriminated against that much yada yada but there's something a little bit off about him surprise surprise he's a darkling oh my god the weirdly like strange dude that dress all in black and is sinister every time he's Speak turned out to be the dark. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's the basic like gist of the first one. I get a lot of like classic Final Fantasy vibes from that description. Like early sprite-based Final Fantasy stories, like Final Fantasy 4 and 6 and stuff like that. Hmm. That's just it's just that the world building is solid in the first um um, season that I I was like hooked on the world building and the costuming is good. Like this looked better than the live action Avatar movie. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, like it is, it, it conveyed that feel of like different culture in um, live action form way better than a lot of things. And this looked way better than Wheel of Time, especially in season two. And it's making me so mad because we both know Wheel of Time <laughs> had so much more money. <laughs> Yes, yes, and had a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, um, uh, they also did this thing where the same author wrote two 
trilogies in the same world. And the first trilogy is about this sun summoner and the darkling. And the second trilogy is after everything is settled. It's it's called Six of Crows. And it's about a gang in their version of Amsterdam. Right. They kind of combined them both. They brought, they took <laughs> like, they took the basic plot of the second trilogy, brought it forward in timeline and just kind of mix it together. And in season one, that was the best thing they did because right. that second pl- plot line the, um, with the gang was so much more interesting and the characters were so much more fun to follow than the main plot. Um, so it helped and- like just drag the main plot along. Yeah. 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 Like if you're getting sick of like them not realizing that this obviously evil guy is obviously <laughs> evil and like there's like a the romantic triangle is him the sun summoner and like the sun summoner's like childhood friend so i'm like well this is not even real because one of them is clearly evil <laughs> <laughs> um and like what really annoyed me about season one is they really like kind of blah blah over some really heavy stuff like like uh, essentially like one of the um, magic user, the Manda is essentially live in sexual slavery, right? right. Like uh, because she's like the queen's maiden and like the palace healer, but like the king is also like coming to her bed when she clearly doesn't want it, but she's a you know servant. So she doesn't have choice. Like they didn't really like deal with how heavy a subject it is. Like they, it's just kind of dressing. Um, um, but in season two, Pretty much all of my complaints of season one is addressed because that particular plot line get very heavily and satisfactorily addressed. Oh, good. Um, and the love triangles are gone because now <laughs> we do know that dude is evil. So there's still love triangles in season two. It just make a lot more sense. Um, and like it's it, and the the chemistry seemed natural and like um and you you as an audience is no longer wondering like why would you even be interested in this like like they sell the chemistry unlike a certain show we'll talk about later <laughs> <laughs> and, and like there's um and conflicts between like couples or like the people who uh you know you know the typical YA trope people who are supposed to get together and right, like, right. both people want to get together but there are barriers in the way well that's fine if you write the barriers well. Season one didn't, season two does. That's the main difference. Like, even when um, the reasons are stupid, it is the correct kind of stupid from that character's point of view. Well, They're like, good. oh, yeah. okay. Like, it makes sense that this person would be <laughs> would be doing this stupid in this situation, you know, <laughs> considering their trauma. But in the, you know, a good, but a good um, uh, change. Um, and the production values are good. Like it's, it spanned multiple continents. And you know how, when we talked about um, Wheel of Time, we're like, everything looked the same. Yeah, right? Everything was the same. Yeah. <laughs> everything looked the same. And they're like, we're, we're nearing the White Tower. And I, is, are you? <laughs> everything still looked the same. Uh, Those are exactly <laughs> the same trees. <laughs> the, the building looks the same. You're on the same set, aren't you? <laughs> And they're very bad at conveying a sense of like time passing or long journeys and stuff. Right. Um, this show is so much better with so much limited budget. Like, because we watch it with like looking to analyze and like maybe like a more critical eye, I I can tell that they have a limited set for like for each new location they brought, they have like one or two small set and one big set, right? Right. But they use that really well. They use their sets really well to convey a sense of a different place. 
and the different cultures are like um you can sometimes it's like it's such um important balancing act right sometimes like when you um do sci-fi and fantasy and you show two places and you're like i can't even believe that these two things exist in the same world you know <laughs> like it's so different um and, or sometimes you're like eh like it's like everything is samey really like there's nothing exciting but they seem to have walked the fine line in this and that like they like i said like i feel like two of the country is already like russian equivalent like one right. is maybe like russia and british mixed together like uh, maybe like Russia and like all aristocratic British that that's essentially but the main you get the that sense the that like from. these are places with different like cultures and climates yes. and things like yes. that yeah yes and even the racism towards the magic user which both countries display like you can see the difference between it like one treat them like like to be feared and slave and the other ones the other one feel uh treat them like essentially like heretics to be hunted down <laughs> and like killed you know and then like we have the other more uh liberal nations where they are like um they still consider saints in a lot of the re religion um like some of the the more powerful one like the sun summoners are considered saints and um in some of the culture uh, they they just think magic user as an extension of that and they uh valued and respected and that difference and the way it affects the character especially ones that are traveling across different countries is conveyed really well the fight scenes are good and the fight scenes are not just good like the fight style that is um assigned to different nation and different groups of people is really actually different meaningfully different and really awesome I was really surprised, especially when they go to the Asian country in this season, which they didn't make it to last season. The person they meet there, when she fight, she just fight like it's a, she's in a wuxia movie, like like wire work, flying through the air, cool. like obvious homage to wuxia movies. And they, like she's taking on people who fight like like it's an anime, like people who fight like they're ninja and right. like a gun a, and like a steampunk gunslinger that can control <laughs> bullets. And everybody have distinct uh, fight style without um, compromising it. And they mash it into a scene really well. Like I... <laughs> The script writers, yeah, whatever. Like the directors, whatever. But whoever is doing choreographing in this is they need to have an excellent career. <laughs> they were the waiting goal. <laughs> yeah, because it's really rare to see like different styles used that well, like mm. to the point where you can tell different cultures use different fighting styles. Like you don't in most things that have fighting, even if they have yeah. like in a fantasy setting like this, all the fighting yeah. tends to be the same. It tends to get really yeah. same because it's all being choreographed by the same person yeah. usually. Yeah. I don't want to keep coming down a Wheel of Time, but that's exactly what it was like in Wheel of Time. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> liked Wheel of Time, but it was deeply flawed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, like different fighting styles in this is not just paying homage to the culture, but it's also paying homage to different genres of movies as well. Right. Which is cool. Um, and the costuming is so good. They um they do some steampunk style without like fucking falling into that trap of gluing fucking gears to everything that a lot of people <laughs> who does <laughs> steampunk do. It's um, people who don't understand steampunk doing steampunk. And yeah, the characters, uh, especially season two. <laughs> The characters, especially in season two, uh, um, I think it's also because like I suffered through season one. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> They are a lot more like grounded, they're a lot more nuanced, and there's a lot of like changing of allegiances that come very naturally. And 
even the Darkling, who is like at this point, he's like a talking level, like evil villains. But you understand how he got there. So like you're not sympathetic to what he's doing, but you understand him. Right. And right. then you feel sorry for the people who've joined him, but you also understand why they would join him. So it's a good way to like it's a good way to write it. Not as good as like having a properly sympathetic, correct villain, but that's not what they're going for. This it sounds like they've got some sense. like improved talent in the writing room or something. Like they've definitely up to their game. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the main thing I also hated is I also didn't like, I didn't like the any of the romance that the main character, the Sun Summoner was involved in the first season. Um, and, but the, the main couple, uh, they actually have better chemistry now this season too even though i think the guy is still boring but he is supposed to be a little bit boring like he's supposed to be hard rock right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there's a new character they introduced that is like a prince slash pirate and he's pretty awesome like when you f- when you are first introduced to him you're like oh is this guy gonna be really annoying because like this is this is this sounds like an annoying trope that they're supposed to get into but no like he was good like <laughs> <laughs> okay but cool but uh, hey, maybe I'll watch the final episode and hate it. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> that can happen with shows, I hear. <laughs> but of, of course, like now that uh, now that I really like season two, it we're probably about two weeks away from um, uh, Netflix announcing. Oh, that this is cancel. Netflix. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's getting better. <laughs> that means it's canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's getting better, and I saw almost no marketing for this season. So that's probably means about to be canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you can always finish it off with the books. <laughs> that is true. Yes. All right, so now that I've gone on to a whole rant about Shadow and Bones, which you should all go watch so it doesn't get cancelled. I don't know, just start talking about it on Twitter. Come on. <laughs> it sounds cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something we're both very excited to talk about. But so excited. Maybe just not for good reasons. <laughs> listen to my voice. <laughs> I'm bubbling with excitement. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Bye. episode of the streaming heap is sponsored by helpline for those who's been hurt by the trust they placed in the peripheral and it's right if you if you've been damaged and emotionally felt betrayed by the final episode we're here for you email us at the streaming heap at outlook.com I uh I'm not gonna do this drink- sober. I'm drinking. Are you, are you drinking Bailey's? Uh no, no, I'm drinking um Jim Beam Bourbon Cream because this calls for cheap liquor. <laughs> that sounds I don't know about cheap. That sounds gross. <laughs> oh, it's delicious. It's great. <laughs> okay, do, do me fair, I don't like milky drinks. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it's really right, good. So- 
So I've poured myself a double shot of scotch because this episode is what um, some people might have called a double shotter. <laughs> <laughs> Something you need a double shot to experience and um, explain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I think you can tell from our tone that um, we are a little bit disappointed by this episode. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm gonna give it a little bit more benefit of the doubt than you. Well, you only watched it once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, I, I, uh, I couldn't bring myself to watch it a second time. But I was also very busy watching every single episode of Shadow, Shadow and Bone. And Bone. <laughs> 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 um. Uh, <laughs> I was also like, Peripheral is not the only show I've turned on. I was also, I also watched this week's episode of Mandalorian like four days late. And I think this is the first time since the first season of Mandalorian that I haven't watched an episode of Mandalorian the day it releases. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't watched any of it because I'm waiting for my wife. You know, for reasons, she hasn't been able to watch TV for a while. So mm-hmm. like, I'm waiting for her before I start watching it because that's a show we watch together. That is uh, That is very sweet. And a sign of a good relationship. <laughs> yeah. Remember, TV show cheating is still a very serious crime. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten in trouble for it in the past. <laughs> you clearly learned your lesson. All right. Let me take a big swig and then. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a lot of this. This is only 30 proof. <laughs> All right. Okay. So this episode begins with a flashback to Connor wishing life was a video game. Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) But maybe not a game like Dark Souls. I hope Mm. it's a bit more funny and weird, like maybe Katamari Damacy. (laughs) (laughs) If you could just play the Katamari Damacy uh, theme to my life, um, I think it would improve it at least 20%. That would be fun, Uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So after that depressing start, um, which come out of nowhere and is clearly trying to set up something <laughs> they want to revisit later in that episode. Um, we switch to Ash, predictably betraying Lev to Cherise, and tells her that the data Alita stole is in Flynn's brain, but she immediately regrets it when the <laughs> evil Queen Bee says she's going to use the literal nuclear option. Yes. Something she should have seen coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was like debating internally whether or not you were going to use that obvious joke. <laughs> <laughs> that no obvious joke gone unused. That is the streaming heap top uh, promise. Okay. <laughs> so another chemistry less scene between Wilf and Flynn make Wilf realize that he hasn't looked in their literal secret <laughs> hiding place. Jesus Christ, <sighs> I yelled at the screen when that <laughs> happened. Um, when he finds find a leader there who tells him that the evil government is evil and that the only solution is this band of cosplayers she recruited who are dressed <laughs> like a budget Hellfire Club. <laughs> we don't even really get a good look at them. They're just like out of focus, oh, I, off screen, kind of. Oh, I paused and they are... <laughs> They are dressed like somebody who stumbled out drunk from the local rand fair. <laughs> hey, don't 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 make fun of my past. <laughs> hey, I I enjoy a good rand fair, okay? <laughs> but it's not known for its well-made costumes. <laughs> um 
Good cop Tommy successfully pins murders on Bob, but Corbell lives. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> and doesn't get paid off this episode at all. <laughs> and then Flynn creates a new stub and has Connor kill her in her timeline to make it appear that Lobia had her killed and that the data in her brain is destroyed, no longer a threat. A different, presumably a little confused Flynn then wakes up in her peripheral in London with low beer. How does any of that work? Next season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the after credit scene, Lev get pumped by a bunch of Russian dudes. Old Russian told, dudes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, one of them looked like Freud. Uh, <laughs> and they tell him that he has to kill all of his lackeys or they it's will funny. kill his you, family. You, you say he looked like Freud. He looked like my mother. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. That's a good joke, okay? That's an obvious and good joke. You are fulfilling the streaming heat guarantee, my friend. I'm here all night. <laughs> you have no choice. Exactly. Wow, you really you really scold that drink. You won't get it. I told you it's delicious. It's like chocolate milk, man. Just with alcohol in it. <laughs> all right. Let's start by break, breaking down to do what happened. Let's start with that flashback. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. So this is an example of the show setting up something it forgot to set up before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that the truth? And there's it's a so lot unnatural as well. It's, it's so very unnatural. Weird. Yeah. Like she, you got Flynn going to Connor right after the accident. And he's in the hospital bed and they start talking about how they wish life was a video game because in video games you can reboot. And but in real life, there's no reboots. And this is just setting it up so that later she can say she wants to reboot reality and blah, 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 blah. It, it seems really like awkward and unnatural. Like this is not a conversation you would have in your hospital bed. Like this is something that you might talk about later, but it seems it just seems like a weird time and place for it. And Connor, if you really want a reboot in real life, do what any reasonable adults do and take some LSDs. <laughs> yeah, that's what. <laughs> and the... wander around naked in a field. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like as soon as that thing started, I'm like, well, this is not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Luckily, it's really short. It's only like a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that makes like that's what make it more alarming because I'm like this is really tacked on, <laughs> and um, it's weird too. Like it ends and then like we go into like that opening credits montage, but like it's not really a hook. There's no like it's not leading into anything. It's just this weird flashback, and it just kind of ends with a thud, and then we get into the credits. Like we're supposed to be all excited about the coming finale. It's just weird. <laughs> and to be serious for a second, like it this is the first time it feels like. Um, Connor's disability is being used as a terrible plot point, like being used as a plot crutch, because Connor in the rest of the storyline is already in the process of a um, character arc that isn't finished, but is way past this stage. Right. (laughs) Where he is at now is about like, how do you like envision your future? Like, especially if there is a possibility of an unhealthy way to get over uh, terrible things that happened to you that has since shaped your life, right? Like, how's he going to deal with the peripheral technology and, and all that? He is past this stage. And to insert that scene now is 
Seth doesn't serve anything to Connor's story. He's being used as a crutch to make a point about somewhat, something else in the story. And Connor hates crutches. He would never use them. <laughs> <laughs> no obvious joke left <laughs> and used. <laughs> um, okay, so we um, we switch to Tommy. And finally, he's being a good cop. And pinning crimes on people who didn't commit. <laughs> but, you know, bad people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if Bob is bad. All I know is he's stupid. <laughs> I like the Tommy scenes actually aren't that bad. Like of all the stuff that's in this episode, I'm fine with the Tommy stuff. The only problem is it's really short and doesn't go anywhere. Like it, it's all set up for something that's going to happen presumably next season. Like mm-hmm. he finds out Corbell's awake, which we already saw in the like next on last episode. Corbell's alive. Not Corbell's awake, alive, yeah. not awake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know he 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 shows that he's really nervous and confused, and then he goes and sees his wife, but he looks at Flynn first. I noticed that. Um, yep. <laughs> or not wife, but fiance. Um, yeah. And I thought for sure that he's going to be a moron and walk towards Flame first. And I was ready to be like, Tommy, no, no, you moron. And then like he 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 stumbles for like it almost feels like a full minute when she asks him about what happened. Like he's he's deciding internally whether or not to um tell his fiance what he did um yeah. and you kind of see like the wheels turning and the smoke coming out of his ears because he's just like short circuiting i don't know yeah i thought it was funny but it also made sense from tommy's point of view because tommy's kind of he's kind of an indecisive man isn't he <laughs> yeah and he made the right decision he shouldn't tell her no god no rem- he shouldn't tell her because <laughs> remember the need for confession is the major reason most criminals get caught <laughs> Yeah, never confess. <laughs> That's how I get away with all my crimes. <laughs> and what crimes are those again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Let me confess. <laughs> <laughs> There's really not much else to this Tommy thing, right? Once again, this is um, something that is setting up for things later. It's yeah, just wrapping up. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else. I think like we just immediately move on. There is one scene with Tommy later where like um, Flynn comes across oh, him yeah. and he he talks about how like homeland security gave him a call and told yeah, him about yeah. this big thing that's happening that we're not going to see um yeah, yeah that's about it is is that only is this town only um uh, the death sheriff and tommy it's is that why he's automatically <laughs> is he automatically sheriff now is that what happened those are the only <laughs> why... cops we've seen so far yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> is that why he's like homeland security is calling him <laughs> Um, and also, um, at no point in this episode does he put back on his white hat. Right. I, I did notice that. I kept my eye out for it after the last episode. <laughs> so, um, scenes with Mama. Mama's still blind. Yeah. I, I, I again, I don't. I don't think I minded the scene too much. It's just one scene. Um, mm. It's a little ham-fisted, especially that acorn metaphor is kind of cringy. Um, but. She's telling Flynn that it's important for Flynn to live for herself and that she doesn't mind dying because it will like free Flynn to do that. Um, and that that kind of speaks to Flynn's character as it was set up in the very first episode, the idea that she has her own life that she could live. Like she doesn't know whether or not how, she doesn't know how to do that, basically. Um, so I appreciated that, but it didn't really relate to this episode. Like it didn't pay off in any real meaningful way. 
And then she just left, like Flynn just left her mother to sleep on the porch in the middle of the night. <laughs> that seemed um, not a good idea. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. She can't see where she is anyway. Yeah, so she's not going to be able to see the bear. You know. <laughs> Uh, and the acorn metaphor actually i i actually did like oh really i thought it was like yeah. i thought it was ham-fisted yeah <laughs> uh, especially because this episode is called creation of a thousand forest and that's the quote uh, it, the full quote being creation of a thousand forest starts with one acorn right um and that's the theme with her little acorn nickname but it is something we should have learned earlier this show uh the finally uh, something that finally make it painfully clear is this show was bad at planting its theme throughout the season. <laughs> planting its acorns yeah yeah <laughs> it really yeah. like this episode had this feeling to it like like somebody cramming for a final exam like mm. that suddenly snuck up on them like they didn't yeah. realize they only had eight episodes they were writing like they had 16 and then somebody said okay we got to wrap this up in the next episode like wait what <laughs> yeah that's what it felt yeah. like like suddenly being told that uh, thinking writing the season thinking you have 10 episodes suddenly being told that you have eight and instead of rewriting everything somebody just we just decided to rewrite the final episode (laughs) (laughs) it it, it kind of feels even worse than that it kind of feels like they just skipped over like eight and nine and just went straight into 10 and just let's not bother (laughs) with all that stuff (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like there's a lot of thematic things like that they only start putting it into this episode and some that they ignore for big stretch in the middle and then just revisit now. Right. Like, like we talk about the importance of like uh, the, the, the theme of like seeing things as a game that, that hasn't been tackled since like second episode. Right. And now and suddenly is... they're revisiting it now. <laughs> right. And it's brought in again, like with a sledgehammer. I think he even says, "Life, I want, I wish life were a game." Like, come on, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. They specifically talk about safe points. Yeah, um, well, they didn't say game; they said Sims, like the Sims you play. But yeah, right. that's what they. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the Sims, only they're not talking in that weird Simish language. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish life was like the Sims, where you can delete the letter after putting somebody in a pool. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> okay, so Jesper scene. Right, this is another example of the show revisiting something that it had ignored for the last several episodes. Like, the character of Jasper, I don't think has appeared in the last three episodes, and here he is, suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> they did all this setting up with Jasper, all these different things, and we had little theories about where his character was going, and none of that is important. Not a single damn thing. That money he stole, not relevant. Or Well, stole it, like uh, Corbell gave to him. Uh-huh. Not relevant. His like argument and not telling his wife everything, not relevant. <laughs> None of that is relevant. And yep. here we see him like, you know, commiserating with the with Corbell's flunkies, you know, uh Cash and the other two. I don't remember their names. Who cares? Um yep. And they're basically like de- deciding who's going to be in charge if Corbell dies. And they all just kind of laugh at Jasper and say, of course, you're not in the running. It'll be the three of us. Um, And Jasper's put upon and takes it like an idiot because that's what he is and then he gets it in his head as he's driving them home because they're so freaking drunk they pass out in the car (laughs) yeah he just gets the idea that he'll off them and take charge um because he doesn't want to mistake weakness for kindness a lesson he learned over monopoly because that's (laughs) that's cool sure (laughs) (laughs) and he parks the truck on the train tracks 
Yep. And then walks away after locking his keys in the car like a dumbass. <laughs> then he calls That's his favorite part. <laughs> then he calls his wife. And when she tells him, no, I love you because you're kind. He's like, oh, I'm being stupid. And then he like can't save the flunkies and they die. Um, I only really have one question. Am I supposed to care about any of this <laughs> <laughs> like at all? <laughs> um. My favorite thing is his wife tells him um, he's not stupid, and then she loved the fact that he's kind. Both of them are obvious lies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is stupid, and she hates the fact that he get walked on. Walked right. on. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that is like real in that scene is when they talk about the Monopoly fight, and I'm like, wow, this is a relationship that is deeply broken. <laughs> Dude is still thinking about this Monopoly game like years later. Like, yeah, really? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, like sometimes something someone say, especially a loved one, gets stuck in your crawl, but it's not really something that you can like pick a fight about or want to, <laughs> but you carry it, right? <laughs> but I mean, fair enough. I'm still mad at a roommate from like 20 years ago. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's why we have therapists for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we don't kill three people on the train tracks. <laughs> to be fair, like, I think we're supposed to want him to save them, but I don't. I'm glad the flunkies are dead. Yeah, they're awful people. <laughs> they like, suck. Uh, you nailed it in that, like, what, like, what is the show trying to communicate here? Like, where is the emotional weight supposed to be coming from in this scene? Because it is short and delivered, like, it's emotional scene. Like, we don't care about Jesper enough. We've not been given yeah. any reason to empathize with him, like at all. Yeah. Like he's just, yeah. he's just there. Um, the scene we get, the scene is played like it's serious. Yeah. But the most memorable things about it are funny, like him locking the keys yeah. in the car, <laughs> yeah. and then when he like the car gets hit and he like thinks, oh maybe they're still alive, and he's like walking towards <laughs> the car, and then it freaking explodes in a giant fireball. <laughs> I laughed out loud. That's great. <laughs> but I don't think that's what they were going for. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud when the camera dramatically zoom in on the key on the seat. I'm like, man, you're the worst. <laughs> also, don't even, don't even get me started about how badly staged this murder is. Because <laughs> I'm sure he's supposed to try to make it look like, like it's an accident. But... The driver's seat is empty. He <laughs> left the keys in there. Like, how is he, how is he gonna, supposed to explain this? I guess the car did explode, but I presume the bodies are going to be still in the passenger seats. And people are going to be like, wait, this car, that's your car? <laughs> his, <laughs> yeah, and it's his car, which is so... Uh, but, like, he's going to have to say, since he was the only one that was awake, he, he got out after the car stalled or something... But yeah, he didn't yeah. save his buddies because he didn't have enough time. That, that's like the only covered story that'll work. And even that's pretty lame. <laughs> and his wife is immediately going to know that he murdered three right, people. Right, because of the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the whole premise is centered on something stupid as well. Yeah, Corbell is maybe dying, might be dead. That doesn't mean you three numbnuts get to 
like run his fortune. I presume he didn't leave it to you in his will. The right. fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, because the whole point of Corbell is he's a pseudo-legitimate businessman. Like, if it is an entire criminal empire, I can understand how like there might be cash stacks and safe houses that they have access to that are not on the legal radar. But Corbell is running things legitimately. You're not going to get his house. <laughs> it's not a and kingdom, all the man. Leckies, like... <laughs> yeah. And Leckies, he has a you for numb nuts. Like, what empire are you inheriting? <laughs> <laughs> if they were trying to run a criminal empire, they'd be, they'd be dead within hours. <laughs> <laughs> and indeed, they are. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, the first time they go up against Connor or Burton, they're going to get put down. <laughs> right, that's over. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, even Flynn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> very true. But yeah, that was very funny in the middle of this episode that um had so much else to deal with, but is too busy dealing with this dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot of me in this episode asking, what is the point of this character? What is this character trying to do? How does it serve the plot? <laughs> Because I don't understand what Jasper is doing on the show. Like, why is he in it? I don't. I don't understand. I presume he will be important next season. I presume they like if this feels like for a season finally, this feels so much like moving pieces on the board to get ready for the next plot threat. The next plot threat being the next season. Right. Like shows do that all the time, but bad shows. I expected more from Peripheral, especially the way it started. Yeah, like we've talked about before, the first episode or two, like, set our expectations way too high. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, even if we had reasonable expectation, some parts of this episode is still just bad TV. Yeah, <laughs> I agree, totally. Um, which we'll get to that. And, um, okay, so we're talking about everything that's happening in the present, and I know the entire missile silo things happen in the present, but we're going to leave that and the whole um, gambit with Connor to the very end, when we talk about this whole, let's do a different timeline. <laughs> right, and that, that'll be that'll be like towards the end, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's talk about everything else uh, first. <laughs> so let's talk about the future. Okay. Uh, let's see, I was wrong about the blindness not being relevant. Um, How but, so? I mean, it's still not really relevant, but I mean, like, we now know that she's dying and that nobody in the future can save her, and that kind of makes... It should, if this were written well, it should have Flynn be more skeptical of Wilf. And but in this episode, like yeah. Wilf just apologizes and they move on. Like it, it doesn't yes. actually carry any weight. And also, yes. she mourns for about two minutes, and that's yes. all we get. And then she just she just moves on and kicks ass. Like it is kind of annoying. Um, but let's see. I was also wrong about the skull. It's not actually in the mausoleum. There is actually uh, a skull and a mausoleum in two separate <laughs> scenes. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the blindness uh, thing a little bit first, though. Okay, right? sure. You're Go for it. You're you're completely correct about the wolf thing, and I'm more annoyed about that more than um, the blindness being used as a plot point thing. Especially because I guess I, I really didn't care that her mom was blind or not. Sorry, <laughs> like I know I know this is supposed to be like a sympathy moment, but I'm like her mom is not really a major character, and like yeah, I enjoy her being like pretty kick-ass to Bob and all that, um, but at the same time, like she was dying before, she's dying again. Like what's <laughs> and if they really no, want us to, 
if they really want us to care that much, they really need to show us affecting other major characters. And like you said, Flynn mom for two minutes. And then has a romantic thing with Wilf, who she should be mad about. Right. This issue was the first thing that made her question whether or not she can trust Wilf. And she clearly can't. This proves that Wilf blah, blah, blah over the uh, the likelihood of success to get what he want. But the characters realize that they've made these two, they put a romantic link between these two characters that um, it's too far ahead, so they can't reverse it and they don't want to, so she just kind of forgive him. Right. This, like, it's, it's just, it's poor foresight from the writers. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's uh, so. Wait, let, let's talk about um the children. Ash going to Charisse first. Okay, on on like a plot level, I get it. It's predictable. Ash making a deal with the devil, but like from an actual like character standpoint and trying to think it think it through from her point of view, it doesn't really make sense. Like, why would she turn to Charisse, who is obviously just another authoritarian and say mm-hmm. i don't want lev to be in charge because if the klept is in charge things will go to shit she mm-hmm. does know that the ri would do exactly the same thing and she figures that out within seconds mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially just... because her supposed motivation is that secretly she abhor the status quo right charise represent the status quo more than lev absolutely yeah (laughs) (laughs) lev is trying to subvert the status quo and he's made a big point of that yeah but uh... not in a good way like i can understand why she doesn't want like lev she doesn't want lev to uh get his hand on the technology no as much as i love lev she's not wrong yeah but going to charise is like it's dumb and Contrary to her character, uh, because especially because it's not like she doesn't have other options. Right. She should have gone to a leader. Like yeah. that's, the, that's the obvious, obvious thing. Like especially because later in the episode, she see a leader. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also been set up as this like hyper individualistic character who's, who's trying to do things on her own. The yeah. only logical step that she would make as a character would be to kill Lev herself without going to anybody else first. Like, that's the only logical step she could take. But that's not where the writers wanted to take it because they wanted to give information to Cherise so Cherise could do this, so the plot could move forward. And also, you can maybe hand-wave away that she doesn't think she can either kill Lev or she can get away with... Like, maybe she doesn't think she can get away with killing Lev. But you can't even hand-wave that away because later in the scene, Cherise expressly asked her for her help to kill Lev. Right. Ash, Ash agrees. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, Ash wanted it. She like made that yeah. a stipulation. Like, I want to be the one to kill him. Just <laughs> oh. uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and also, like when Sharice uh, is like, "I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to blow up the stuff." It's <laughs> uh, so stupid because a, why are you telling her that? Like you're you're running like a gigantic like governmental criminal empire. You know better than this. Like <laughs> every information is need to know basic. Like sh- you just need to say I'll take care of it. It's not your problem now. Right. Like, uh, like we, our deal is done. Like you wanted. Like you're giving me this information, and I promised you that you'll get what you wanted. That uh, that's it. Our deal is done. And that's and the also, character that's been set up as as cartoonish as Sharice yeah. is. She's a very simple. She's a very like distinct character, and this is not. Yeah. Again, this is not in her character to like just yeah. spout this information because Ash asks. Like that's yes, not what she would do. And then Ash being surprised 
it's also <laughs> stupid. Because I'm like, dumb. what do you what do you think was going to happen? Like at the very least, she's going to kill Flynn. But she's been Who's trying to kill Flynn the whole time. So, you know, it has to take more <laughs> drastic action because she's yeah. incompetent. <laughs> right. And also, yeah, yeah. From from her perspective as well, I don't even know why she thinks Cherise can accomplish um what Ash wants her to, because so far you you know Cherise have been trying to kill Flynn and has not managed to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh anyway, this whole thing made me angry and I laugh as well. And this whole scene with Wilf and um, Flint. First of all, forgiving him. Like, I thought the the mother thing, like, is actually going to lead to interesting tension. Like, her mother being sick again. Nope. Immediately forgiving him. Um, not interesting. <laughs> and The writers didn't even want to try. <laughs> and then he stands there telling her exposition. And even before we get to the dumb thing about um, him suddenly <laughs> realizing that he hasn't checked their secret <laughs> hideout in which they lived for like two years, he said. Apparently, yeah, yeah. They lived there for a long time and it's they, a big secret ran, and it's our hideaway. They ran away there. Yeah, they ran away there. <laughs> um, even before we get to that, we have this fucking, um, like a, like essentially like a r- romantic uh, music video <laughs> of recaps of like all the times that us is supposed to have romantic tension between each other. I felt like I was being punked. This felt like a parody. <laughs> it was just reinforcing how little chemistry they actually have. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this really was like a, poorly done. Yeah. It was poorly edited. And it was like, yeah. they were trying to show scenes of emotional importance, but they were they almost yeah. felt like random clips of just whatever <laughs> yeah. scene they happened to land on, you know? Yes. <laughs> this, this feels like an SNL or a Lonely Island joke where like, <laughs> Like somebody would like pick up an object and flash back to them like on the beach with an object, you know. <laughs> like it seems like that kind of joke. Uh, like 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 I've been rewatching some Harvey Birdman and there's a joke in there where he's like he says something about tab, liking tab, and it flashed back to him running towards like a, a man dressed up like a, a tab bottle <laughs> on the beach. This this feels the same carnival as that because some of the clip they used aren't even like. Moments of emotional collections with them. I swear in one of the scenes they use, like it was a scene where Flynn was mad at Wilf. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just like one shot of Wilf in the car for yeah, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I it's and let's not like, gloss over the fact that the whole reason they're doing it is stupid. Like apparently Wilf kind of hints that he knows things that he can't say out loud because Ilita will hear. Because apparently Eileen is omniscient now. Um, which no, no, I think I think he was worried that Sharif will hear. No, Charisse he said Eileen. I'm pretty oh, really? sure he said Eileen. Maybe That's I'm wrong. Even dumber. It is. It's very stupid. But then, like, they link up so that he can give her information emotionally without saying anything, and we don't actually get any information from this, <laughs> like, at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a completely dumb setup because if that is the case, if you always had to live in fear of any of these people eavesdropping on you, everything they've been doing this season have been stupid. Exactly. There's yes. They've taken no measures. They've taken no measures to avoid that. They've been doing all kinds of shady shit and talking out loud in front of other people. Yep. Like he and Lev talking to each other constantly with Yep. Uh... Well, and you can argue that um 
that that only applies to Flynn because she's in a peripheral. But even then, uh, there has been plenty of scenes with Flynn in it where they are outrightly <laughs> discussing things that they yeah. If they were being more cagey around Flynn, like they were in the very yeah. first episode, um, then it would make sense. Mm. But they're not, and that in the first episode they were being cagey for no reason at all. Yep. <laughs> it was mostly they were. Tr- I think the way I've justified it in my head. Um, post hoc is that they were they were trying to hide the fact that they didn't actually know how the time travel worked. Like that's the only explanation that makes sense. They were trying to pretend that they knew more than they did because otherwise <laughs> there was no reason for them not to share that information. And also, uh, this, the show doesn't actually give us any indication that they were being eavesdropped on. Only that they were worried about being eavesdropped on. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, no, it's all just an excuse to have this little pseudo-romantic thing that didn't even land. Uh, right, because none of the romantic scenes between these two characters has landed so far. <laughs> I get the idea, like, linking up in the flashback, each person is supposed to be seeing things from the other's perspective. Uh, it's a good metaphor for, like, uh, romance and love and good relationship that work. The ability to see things from each other's perspective. You haven't set that up with this character. These characters are nowhere close to being in a relationship. And also, you don't even execute it visually. For like the first few clips, yeah, like they show, they they, they pan to Wilf and then uh, they re- like the, all the scenes that they recap in the montage are from Flynn's perspective. So Wilf is supposed to be seeing things from Flynn's perspective, like recalling the past and her emotions. But after like the first three scenes, it's that's actually not true anymore. It's just random <laughs> scene. Like at one point, the camera is like like uh, it, they're in a car, and the camera is clearly from like the back of the driver's seat, and Flynn is off screen to the right. You know because that's the way Wilf is looking. <laughs> <laughs> if I can get a little film nerd on you, like it's trying to it's trying to be Godard. It's trying to be like French New Wave. It's trying to show emotional connections through montage. Um, but it it's not doing it. It's not succeeding at all. It's not even coming close. Like, I know what it's going for, and I can see what it's going for. And there's something clever in there. Like, when he thinks about her, he immediately thinks of the kiss. And when she thinks about him, she immediately thinks of the kiss. If these two characters had chemistry, that would be meaningful and important. But instead, we get all these random scenes that mean nothing. <laughs> it's they, annoying. They, they're trying to have the same emotional weight as the end of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but they but they <laughs> haven't <it>. earned it <laughs> right and then of course this explanation of the flag without the thumb and i'm like what does a leader hate hitchhikers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then this explanation is that she think the evolution of the thumb <laughs> the thing that led that's us when everything went wrong tools, yeah. <laughs> Went wrong. Also, that's why uh, I think she's a freaking luddite. I think that's the whole of her character now. Like, I'm not going to be able but to. But that doesn't make it. any sense. She's no, a it doesn't. scientist. She's a scientist, <laughs> and she wants to steal technology. But she's a luddite. What? <laughs> she, she's a scientist that respect and worship Jon Snow for curing, um, for discovering penicillin. But basically, oh, yeah. okay. Um, I think it was but, cholera. Yeah. <laughs> But also, now she's a Luddite? 
Yeah, that's not a. That's that not came a out of left that's... field, man. The whole like that's cutting off the thumb thing was just. Oh yeah. God, that is not the character I... that we no. we have seen in the show no. at all. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh, okay, this calls uh... for a third. <laughs> you, I'm not getting through this sober. <laughs> like she's a scientist who got disillusioned by the misuse of science, but that's not like you can. There is a. Um, reasonable way you can say that like she got so disillusioned by um, how science is being misused that she's at a stage where she's willing to burn it all down just to stop the misuse. But that's not what this thing is saying because they're not giving her that arc. They're saying even as a child when they run away from their foster parents <laughs> her views were that she's a Luddite and then she went to university and then tried <laughs> <laughs> became a scientist and then tried to cure several uh, diseases that were <laughs> ravaging crops. What I suspect is happening here, and I, I have no proof of this because I know nothing about the novel, but what I am suspecting here is that this is two different characters who've been combined. Yeah, I was, I was about to say that. Yeah. Because in this universe, a lot of it makes sense. Like somebody who sees what has happened to the world and blames technology makes sense. Hmm. And somebody else, like, using technology and learning technology and trying to take it from the hands of the people who are abusing it makes sense. These two cannot be the same character. That doesn't make sense. So what I suspect is happening is I lead to some kind of amalgamation. What I really suspect is they no longer care that much. The I don't think they do either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in the last episode, I was, or the last episode I was talking about how I don't like things that try to act like they're smarter than they are. Cause we were talking yeah. about it follows. This episode definitely falls into that category. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we go to that forest, right? And then we um, then we, we, we see the skulls. Um, I also want to talk about that because she's like, the government killed so many people. And then Wilf is like, what? I'm like, you know, you, you know this already, dude. You've already like, talked about how awful it was and how shitty everything was. And there was yeah. a you know, a horrible, horrible disease that was killing millions of people and they were worried about it. So this should not be a surprise that they would kill a whole yeah. bunch of people to, to contain it. Maybe you didn't know exactly how they did it and maybe you didn't know to which extreme length they went. But logically, if you thought about the history of your world for even a second, like as a character that inhabited it, I know the show tried to wave their hand around <laughs> us, the audience um, face, <laughs> so we don't, like, because they don't want to address it. But Wilf, you as a character that live in the world should know that this this is, like, the only possibility. <laughs> yeah, and but, like, the cool thing that they were trying to establish here that I think they could have, like, leaned into and made it more interesting is this, mm -hmm. like, 1984 mind control kind of thing where they're, like, you know, manipulating your memory by yeah. telling you that they're taking away trauma, but really they're hiding their own dirty secrets. There's something that could be done with that that would be more interesting, but instead it's like revealing a secret that doesn't really feel like it's all that surprising. Um, yeah, sure, it's weird that he's standing on a mass grave, but the the fact that there would be a mass grave shouldn't be a surprise considering yeah. the size of the population. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, uh, at the very least, the government was uh, responsible for gross negligence, you know? Um, and the fact that they actually actively participated in the murder is not that much more shocking. Like, and also, she's talking to him like system. he's somebody who loves the government. I mean, yeah, yeah he, he's working for a klept, but he's never made any, like, indication that he likes the status quo. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the... the, the the fact that he killed some uh, fucking neoprims, they try to 
pin it as like he might have a grudge on Neo Prince, but we never like we never bought it. He just killed somebody who was who has him kidnapped. Right. That has that has nothing to do with agreeing or disagreeing with the actual philosophy behind things. <laughs> <laughs> it's the writers trying to have it both ways. They're trying to make yeah. it so that he's a tool of the system, but they also want to make him a good character who doesn't like the system. Like it, it doesn't work. What the only thing they succeed in making him is somebody who seems stupid, <laughs> yeah, or hasn't really thought anything through at all. And also, I want to say this is the first time we ever get any indication that there's any sort of memory suppression happening in this world. Like, I feel like this should this should have been something that have came up before, <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like the more we talk about it, it just feels like this episode is written in isolation with the rest of the series. <laughs> No, I agree completely. Um, it's it's like I said, there's a lot of things that they 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 reveal that they should have set up before. Like they didn't put their ducks in a row. They spent so much time spinning their wheels with shit like Bob. As much as I liked Bob, I liked Bob more than you, but like that was spinning <laughs> wheels. Okay. There was no plot reason for Bob. Um, yep. they spent the wasted so much time on that kind of shit and Jasper mm -hmm. and shit like that that they they didn't have time to set these things up that they should have been setting up. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I have more to say on that subject, but we'll get to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a question. How long has Alita being, uh, the peripheral Alita has been um, sitting on that bench, just waiting and being like, <laughs> has that idiot not figured it out yet? <laughs> like a month or two. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Like the entire show so far, like from the first episode, because <laughs> she does say that she does say that. Um, what took you so long? Uh, yeah. What took you so long? I thought you'd be here sooner. Um, <laughs> which I did. I did not appreciate. I just felt like the show is trying to lampshade the fact that Will has not thought of this before. Um, and also, what is the point of that peripheral? Because they were on that bench, and then they walked about. I say. 300 meter at most and then what is this meters i'm american i don't know what a meter is <laughs> half a football field whatever <laughs> so like i don't know four whales <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 12 hands um <laughs> and then the real alita approaches wilf so why even use that peripheral? It's like also it's supposed it's to be like she pan. was hiding somewhere, yeah. but they're in a field. field. Yeah. <laughs> and where they're standing at the that scene when real Alita approach, I bet if you pan the camera slightly to the left, you can still see the little girl peripheral sitting <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> and they pull the same trick again a, a little bit later when she like introduces her rabble. They just appear as though they were hiding right off screen in the middle of a freaking field. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know we're like getting stupid nitpicky at this scene, but we I'm need so to mad take at up, this episode. We need to we need to take out some frustration because another thing that is stupid is the little girl. Oh, sorry, the little girl peripheral wasn't um, left behind at the. Oh, bench. that's right. She's she, the one who dug she, up she the skull. Through. Right. But, but I I bet if you uh, if you pan to the left, you can still see the bench that she right. was on. But anyway, um, so the little girl uh, peripheral. Uh, eyes roll back, indicating that she's being disconnected, right? And Wilf is like, Alita? And turns around and Alita walks into the frame in the process of taking off the headset. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't, that's, uh, what? that's not how this technology works. 
<laughs> You're breaking but your own rules, show. It only makes sense if the whole time she'd be right outside the frame <laughs> behind Wills with the headset on. Because you can't move with the headset on. Right. Hey, hey, hey. So funny that scene is. And also, you said, like, um, how does Fling linking out keep Ash from seeing through the coin? <laughs> yeah, it's a robot. Like, she's able to hack into the robot to see Flynn or to see Aelita. Yeah. So, yeah. why does Flynn leaving have any effect on that? <laughs> it doesn't, but they do leave um, the the peripheral um, where they first saw the little girl. Um, they didn't true. bring it hard to the clearing. But once again, they walked like 300 they meters. Far away. Yeah. <laughs> And also, also, how the hell is Aelita that omniscient? How does she know Ash is watching through the peripheral? Like, I think she's just paranoid. Maybe. <laughs> I think that scene was that scene showing Ash was to show us that um, Alita is right, not to show that Alita knows for sure. But also that that scene where Alita is like, "Oh, um, you like uh, don't bring her," and um, we don't know who's watching and. <laughs> I took that feeling to mean like also like she doesn't want Flynn to know either. And uh, Wilf turned to Flynn and say, I'll tell you everything later. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> also, as an interesting side note here, one, there's no reason to keep this information from Flynn. If anything, Aelita should want Flynn to know this information. Yeah. And two, Wilf never tells Flynn any of this. <laughs> True. True. We don't see that. You right. don't see this. Although apparently um, a lot of shit gets told off screen. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of shit got told off screen because the writers don't know. They don't know uh, what to, to say. Yeah. They don't know what to say. And they don't they don't want to tell certain things to us because they haven't thought about it really <laughs> that much. <laughs> yes. Remember how I brought up Lost last, last episode? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about um, what, um, what Alita tells uh Wilf. Yeah, Eileen's yep. big plan here is so cliche. Um and vague. She, and and very, very vague. Like she just wants to overthrow the system basically and she's got her own little band of revolutionaries. Now look, yep. I'm American, I can sympathize, but I don't <laughs> buy it for a second. Like Eileen, she acts like somebody who wants power, who wants control. Um she doesn't act like a revolutionary. She acts like somebody who's just pissed off. Um and and again it's and also maybe a luddite <laughs> and she's a luddite what but like <laughs> it's so cliche to have like a dystopia where one character like gathers a band of rabbles to or a, a yeah just a rabble of people to to fight back against the system with whatever information they can gather it's just so I don't know I thought the show was better than that <laughs> I thought Ilita was more interesting than that <laughs> and you can start from that. And go in interesting direction. You can start from any cliches. Like yeah. everything has been done. You can start from any cliches and go in a different direction. Or even if you don't go in a different direction, the story, the human story you tell is interesting. What you can't do is string us along for eight episodes and end on a cliche as a reveal. Right. You can't do that. <laughs> because Aelita was built up to be this like mysterious figure who had like a big secret plan and mm. to discover that her secret plan is just dystopia 101 is boring and, and wilf wilf even says like you and like this 
band of like 20 people <laughs> gonna do that <laughs> and they're like well with the technology that's within flint's head we could and i'm like oh that's vague and doesn't make sense also uh, but so you and like you and 20 people have this information that the RI has. You do realize that the RI also has that information already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what they also have is uh, probably guns. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more people. And uh, maybe things like disassembler swords. <laughs> All right. Disassembler swords. Right. Yeah. You don't have that, do you? <laughs> and I I already made fun of this a band of... Uh, chucklehead and misfits <laughs> that are standing behind that um, Alita. Also, it's the, once again, they're in a field. Where the fuck did they come from? All I can think <laughs> of is they've been hiding behind that tree line that is <laughs> a little bit further away. And uh, I think and Wolf is just really oblivious and has up. no peripheral <laughs> yeah. vision whatsoever. <laughs> uh, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No obvious joke. <laughs> If we ever um, have a big enough audience to start having a merch store, the first shirt is going to have to be <laughs> the streaming even no obvious joke left behind. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, so like, did they just like get on cue and ran behind from the tree line to get out of there? <laughs> and I ask everyone to just pause that scene and really look at those fucking dumb of idiots, a <laughs> bunch of idiots. Like, I get, like, before you come at me, I get the point they're trying to make. Like, she has gathered people from all walks of life, right? One of them looked like a steampunk cosplayer. I swear <laughs> to God, I think there is a gear on his lapel. <laughs> it's One like guy... they just raided the costume department. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One guy, it looked like, he, he's dressed like a um, uh, professor with like a um, strap on um, uh, like a slang shoulder bag and he looked like a professor okay, I had a really hard time off. hearing anything after professor with a strap on so <laughs> <laughs> no, he looked like he looked like an old professor that just went through a midlife crisis after a divorce and he's like oh, yeah. living in an apartment in the city <laughs> <laughs> and they all Posing like like they're about to do a photo shoot for the world worst album. <laughs> <laughs> the world worst album cover. Uh, anyway, I mean, like, also, like, which person were we as an audience supposed to side in this scene? Because Wilf is like, Wilf is kind of with us. Wilf is like, you and this band of idiots? <laughs> <laughs> and But the, the music is triumphant. The music is like, oh, it's on. Like, next season is on. I'm like, really? We've never met these guys before. And they look like dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and Alita is really confusing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, there's nothing triumphant about it because she doesn't even have the technology. Right. She's accomplished nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you want to talk about all these off-screen info dumps. Okay, the biggest one is that, like, Flynn went to Lowbeer and asked basically how everything works. How do you make a stub? How do you how do you do any of this? And I hmm. buy that Lowbeer would have figured that out with the help of, like, the aunties and her, you know, inexhaustible source of information. I, have a, I believe she could probably figure it out. But then she's going to tell all this information to Flynn so that Flynn can use it but all of this happens off screen. We don't see any of this. Yeah. We don't get any of this information. We know none of the things that are said between these two characters. Just the setup that 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 she's that Flynn says she wants to start a new stub and how do I do it? And then she knows how to do it, but we don't. So we know nothing about how what she's about to do 
and the mechanics of it, any of that. We don't know any of that stuff. And it really, really makes the climax fail. Like it falls flat on its ass because we don't understand what's happening really. Like, yeah, we understand it from like a from a narrative point of view, but we don't like understand okay. the logic behind it, the right. narrative behind it. They they try to sell us a clever um chess move. Right. But it but instead of chess, it's a game that we don't know the rules of and they won't tell us. Right. And so and we're like, supposed trust. to feel like triumphant when she wins yeah. one over Charisse. And like we're and like, what the fuck like, just happened? Her. Yeah, trust <laughs> us, it's clever. Uh and they like Jenga. And then we're like, what? <laughs> we thought we're playing chess. <laughs> um, and the reason they don't give us the rules is because they can't. Like Because I none of this follow- fucking makes sense. She makes picks sense. up yes. a fucking yeah. pocket watch puts it on a table <laughs> clicks a few buttons breaks the pocket watch and then Sharice freaks out because that was a whole bold move what <laughs> the fuck are I you wanna, smoking <laughs> i want to apologize to you for defending this show's time travel rules at the beginning of the thing but at the end of this episode i'm going to try and defend it again by try and fill in the gap with my um my own theory but clearly the writers here has not thought it through, and um, you, uh, the audience, have to prepare for the idea that they're not going to think it through in season one, two. No, and I don't not... think I don't expect them to. Um, <laughs> I, I've concluded they don't know their own rules. Um, but it, it, I find it extra frustrating because I do feel like the hook that this whole thing centers on that she's going to start a new stub and then like sacrifice herself. And I think that's a really cool idea. Yep. I think you could really make something interesting out of that, but they like they. They execute it in the worst possible way. Yes. Yes. Um, and of course, um, it goes back to what we said last episode that I immediately said, uh, what the mother said is clearly foreshadowing. But I thought that it was foreshadowing the mother doing some sort of sacrifice move to save his children. But what it was foreshadowing is this. What the mother said is there's always a third option, like there's always like the self-sacrifice option. Uh, essentially, like that message is like, "Hey, uh, people who are who are like uh, super keen or like happy to resort to their lesser evil to um, as an excuse to save something they love, never think of the self-sacrifice option. Right? right? They're not good enough people. Um, Flynn is. That's a good thing." Yeah, absolutely. that's a good thing that should have set up more than last episode. Right. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing that is, if executed well, is good. But here, I feel like she died for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And again, okay. I also, I'm not sure it's logical, but before I get to that, mm-hmm. I want to talk about like Sharice's plan. Or, well, yep. the idea that like Sharice is going to go ahead and blow up everything by accelerating the jackpot. Um, yeah. One thing, one thing we need to make clear though that this is important is that Sharice doesn't want to. She said she doesn't want to lose years of research. She doesn't really want to blow this up the stub, but it's important that she does just so Lev doesn't get the data, because the show is putting a lot of weight on that line and that logic. We have to remember that. Yeah, but like that does a lot of heavy yes, lifting. <laughs> it does. That's why we have to remember that. <laughs> and also, it's something that I don't think Flynn really understands like that's not something that Flynn knows so she's like planning this whole thing that like she's going to self-sacrifice so that Sharice yeah. doesn't blow up the stub how does she know that's going to work if she doesn't I really know it's a, all of it I presume it's a, another off-screen conversation with Ash 
Probably. Because Ash does, Ash does come like because Charisse does say to Ash, and Ash does come to Flynn to confess the fucked up thing she did. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. But and again, like we 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 don't really see the end of that conversation. So sure, yeah. maybe Ash could have told her all that. Um, but again, it's part of this like feeling everything's being rushed. We miss a lot of stuff yeah. like that. Um, there's yep. a ton of that in this episode and they and then towards the end in order to like squeeze it all in they they do this thing where they jump around um within the like timeline of the story not just the timeline yep. of the universe like you you see things that happen between uh flynn and connor and then it's intercut between other scenes where she's talking with low beer and then it, it's 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 sloppily done um they try. They try to end of a Guy Ritchie movie. This, but Kinda. the Guy, <laughs> Guy Ritchie movies is like when he does this, it is giving us a solution on a for a very intricately laid up puzzle. Right. But here they here they've mixed up two boxes of puzzle and <laughs> half is in the bin, and they're like da da, and we're like, is that a horse? What? <laughs> <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> And also, like, I want to, uh, like, Flynn decides that starting a new stub, like, rebooting would fix everything, which is fine if she actually rebooted. She doesn't actually reboot. What she's doing yeah. is creating two starting points at the exact same moment. So, like, everything that is going wrong in the stub right now is still going wrong in the new stub. So, like, everything Sharice has set in motion to start the jackpot to get the, like, the nuclear silo to explode is still happening in the new stub. And we know this because A, we know that she picked 2032 and B, they set yeah. up all these other plots in the past, like Jasper, like Tommy, that to suddenly rewind all that would make no sense from a narrative point of view. The fact that they don't clarify exactly where the, the new stuff is started from is them just not wanting to commit to anything before season two quite Maybe. clearly <laughs> and, and and it is stupid you're you're right for all that reason there is a way to that it could work but i'm not even sure if they they're gonna think it through enough to do it but before we get to that if before even we get to that before even we get to what she actually does and untangling how it should and could work what she says she's gonna do leading up to when she does it it's completely different from what she actually does. And I can't even tell if it is the writers deliberately writing vague things as misdirections so we don't like we don't see what she exactly does in the end coming or they just don't understand <laughs> they just don't they just don't understand uh, the how the technology and it all work at this point and they don't even care anymore. Like, I can't even <laughs> at this point I can't even tell which one it is because it is all about. She talk about a game state, right? She talk about. Uh, she talk about uh, like you being stuck in a bad state, um, in a game. And right, she calls gamers, it a black know, hole, which honestly, as a gamer, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, yeah. Um, like honestly, like it, she should have just said a bad save, right? right? Like we've that we've all, all gamer know this. Like sometimes uh, you save not knowing you're about to fight like a big boss and you don't actually have big enough health or enough um potions or strong enough or whatever but you realize you saved at a point of no return where you can't fix enough like everything has gone like every time you reload that safe you're just fighting this unwinnable battle all over again right that's the metaphor she's using but that's not what is happening to her that what potentially might happen to her from her solution <laughs> 
Her solution is a bad save. <laughs> yeah, her solution is to save the state that it's at now, not go back to a previous state because she didn't yeah. make a previous state. Exactly. <laughs> so the whole time she's talking, it is implied that she's going to reboot the timeline from e- before even I contacted them. Right. That, right. that was the that was the impression that I was getting. Oh, were you under that impression as well? Kind like, of. But like I, I I doubted that a lot because of all the other plot things that are happening. Like from a narrative perspective, I didn't see how that would work. So like I immediately suspected that what was just happening was she was she was creating a new save state. Um, but I did I did kind of think that's what they were trying to imply that she was going to reboot everything, which would actually make sense from like the plot point of view, from yeah. her point of view, to actually revert to way earlier, like before even Ri had intervened with that yeah. knowledge that she has in her brain. That's great. That would be a perfect plan. That's not what she does, but it would be a perfect plan. <laughs> well, but would she revert with all that knowledge in her brain, or would she just be dead in the dead stuff that's going to blow up? So that, like, it could they could do it interestingly. Like, they could do it interestingly. Like, I even discussed it with a friend recently that they could structure her because there is also the theme of empathy for things that maybe you don't need to have empathy for in whether uh, in this whole series, right? Like um, with Connor and his empathy for the do- uh, and the co- empathy bonus and Lev and how he got he, he get <laughs> his potential uh, doppelganger killed and all that right, um, you could put you could characterize Flynn as the opposite end of um, how Lev is and say she has so much empathy that um, uh, to her people on the other uh, stub. Um, which people like Lev see as not real people because they're not part of his timeline. To her, not only they're real, to her, they're the same as her. Right. right. They're just her, they're just her family. And she's willing to sacrifice, when the only move left is that, she's only she's willing to sacrifice her own timeline that is in a dead scenario to give the other stuff a chance of peace and like lack of interference from our eye. And is that the right move? Like, like uh, that hard timeline is still dead. Is that the right move, or is that too much empathy? Empathy is that exactly what Burton is talking about so when she when she say like you know in real life there is no empathy bonus. Like they could have tackled that as an interesting. Moral that would have been dilemma. an interesting thematic, yeah, moral dilemma. Yeah. Um, and season two could be like, oh, she doesn't really succeed. I, I found a way in, and then we have to get blank slate Flynn back up to speed again, and if. In a different team of writer written well, that could be a that could be a very interesting start to a season two. But I mean, like, okay, I, I take back what I said before. Like I thought it through a little bit more. Um, you have to you have to get I mean, you have to keep to a certain point where she gets the data in her brain. Like you can't reboot from before that, because then you don't have the information. Um well, but, the the reason you can't do that is because she still wants to fight. If right. all she wants is to cre- create another stuff with peace, then yes, you should reboot before she gets the data. But then, like, she wouldn't even know about the jackpot or any of that stuff. So, like, what's the point? That that universe would still be fucked. Um, and but and that also universe, that universe the... will will follow uh, what is essentially a normal timeline. Whatever is fucked is has nothing to do with her or R.I. or whatever. It's just humans doing human things, right? Right. I mean, it is like the idea of giving humanity a second chance, but it's it's kind of you. It would it would play out basically the same way. Yeah. 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 Um, And also the stub that she's leaving behind, the one that she sacrificed herself for is also still fucked. (laughs) Like, even if uh, even if Sharice doesn't nuke it, that stub is is 
it, the 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 jackpot's already been accelerated dramatically. So like yep. things are still going to go really really bad. And why yep. would Connor agree to this when he is immediately cutting himself out of his own plan to become mm-hmm. a peripheral in the future? Like he's sacrificing well, that by 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 doing all of this. The worst thing about the ending is because we don't really know what exactly they did because they don't explain it. They, it's vaguely explained. It is the branch is from 2032. So the branch is from somewhere in this season, heavily implied to be somewhere from the final episode, of course. But yeah, like, like I said, they set up all these different like storylines in the present that like mm. to 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 reboot before that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And also like she has to Flynn has to have the information that she already has. So like you're rebooting to a point where okay, the way I read it yep. is this kind of like identity clusterfuck like she's going to wake up. And in one reality, she's going to be in the old stub and one reality, she's going to be in the new stub and in the old stub, she's going to she's going to die. Yep. But how does the one who wakes up in the new stub realize she's actually in the new stub? Like, how does she know that? How does Connor know that? How does anybody know that? I think that conversation that that's the conversation Lobia is about to have with her. There might be there might be a video recording from the old dead Flynn involved. That seems like the kind of like very basic trope that these these writers might fall back on. (laughs) It's kind of like a shitty Philip K. Dick knockoff. You know, it's like Total Recall or something. Yeah. Okay, so let's actually talk about where it would make sense for her to start the stub. There's not a lot of room. I mean, obviously, she can't start it from after Connor shot her. Well, yeah, that would be stupid. (laughs) Then she'd be dead in all timelines. So it has to be definitely before Connor shoots her. And it has to be before she tell Connor to shoot her. Because, like, people, you're right. People inside the timeline doesn't know they've been spun off. (laughs) You know? Right. (laughs) So if if she does start it between her telling Connor to shoot her, then it it is a bad safe state in which she's just (laughs) getting shot again. (laughs) So it has to be before that. It doesn't have to be before Cherise puts a nuclear option into motion because they lampshaded it and saying Cherise doesn't want to nuke that thing. So, uh, so if but honestly, realized... like I like the idea of that still being in motion because it gives you some action to start the next season with. Like you could actually then, see this whole this mission. Whole... Go ahead. But this whole thing is pointless because she's only doing this so Charisse doesn't blow up the timeline. Yeah, true. But like, in the, <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't think Flynn's plan actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't think it's a good plan. <laughs> so, well, but I think what the show is trying to say is she, uh, she start. she's going to start the timeline right before she asks um, uh, Connor to shoot it. Connor to shoot her. I think that's where the spin off is supposed to happen because then uh, that Flynn, still still have the entire plan she come up with in her head right right she just haven't executed them yet so basically i think the the timeline spin off starts from between her conversation with connor uh, uh for, for, between her uh, after her conversation with lobia and before her conversation with connor i know those things are in the future but like whatever time is passed in the the equivalent because these timelines even though they Future and present, time is still advancing them at the same between them at the same rate, right? right. So whatever time is between that conversation and the, the those two conversations, I think is a spin-off one. Right. So, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So she realized all her plans. She realized what's all gonna happen. Um. Um. Uh, <clears throat> except uh, Connor doesn't shoot her dead, and the implication is that her 
being dead and um Charisse knowing that uh, Charisse thinking that Lobia got her kill. It doesn't even matter if she doesn't trust there that for real. As long as she can confirm for real that uh, Flynn in that timeline is dead because she doesn't want to sacrifice the stuff she has control over that she spent a lot of time and money on, she's going to call off the nuclear option, thus saving it. So that part is all resolved. But that timeline continues on, right? What right. happened to that timeline? Uh, the accelerated jackpot still happens. Yeah, it's like I said, it's still <laughs> fucked. Like that stub is gone. You know, it's like a horrible future for those people. So, so I have a feeling that the the explanation I just gave, as much as I gave it, is the explanation they the show is gonna give next season. I think that's as much as they're gonna go. I think that's but, as far as they can go because if you if you take it any further, it doesn't make any sense. Yes. So not only the timeline she left behind to save everyone and it's still fucked, unless she unless she's planning on the like traveling back on that stubs at some point and somehow also still help it out, which they might go that way, right? Because um she is supposed to be empathetic. But then now there is a new timeline. There is new timeline in which there's still things are still fucked. But also, like, these are different people? Like, how, like, her timeline is still out there. She's still dead. Her brother still has to mourn her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, this is all true. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling, like, okay, maybe I'm sure giving the show some credit, but the only way out is for them to address both the new stuff and the old stuff next season. There's Which no other way to go might, about it. But I'm not sure they will. I think they might just write it off. Um, yeah. I also want to address the fact that this episode makes it clear that making a new stub is actually really easy. Like, yeah. apparently all you have to do is put a freaking pocket watch on a table and click a couple of buttons, um, which, like, goes against everything the show has said yep. so far. Like, the show has made it very clear that making a stub is very, very difficult, very, very complicated and not something that can be done easily, not something that can be undertaken easily, that it would be expensive yep. and difficult to do. And here it just, boom, she's done. She did it. She just also- decided to do it and then she did it. And also that they made it clear that the the act of contacting um, uh, the timeline at that time, influencing it, that's what caused it to spin off and create right. a stub. But what is what happened when she pressed the stub? Like what changed in that timeline? What does it spin off? What is what does she change? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I don't think the writers know either. <laughs> and like now she is like the only thing she saw is that nuclear bomb thing. And another thing I don't buy is that they have half a militia with them. Is is there really no way for them to solve this terrorist threat on their own in their <laughs> timeline without resorting to like time trouble shenanigans? Like they are they have a very heavily equipped militia on their head. <laughs> yeah. Why and we already know Sharice doesn't hire the best people, so <laughs> You also know exactly which silo is going to uh, blow up. Right, you know exactly where and when, you know. <laughs> yeah. so. I feel like like I feel like there needed to be an episode where they attempt that and fail before she resort to this option. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, also- I'm still mad that we don't even see the missile silo like all this like <laughs> All this build up to this thing that's happening and we don't actually see anything like we don't see anybody like storming a missile silo. We don't see (laughs) any kind of drama at the missile silo. It seems so distant and unrelated to what's actually happening. Yeah, Ah, it's annoying. 
But what she also done is now she doubled her problems. She now has two timelines in which she need to slow down or reverse the jackpot, unless the show is gonna ignore the original timeline in which the writers are even dumber than we are, or, <laughs> or the writer thinks we are even dumber than they. I'm starting to suspect <laughs> the latter, but yeah. Um, uh, also, when Ailita at the very beginning of the show said that she was going to save a world, now I'm asking which one is she gonna save? Uh, and even so not just that she straight up said it might be too late for our world but we can still save this the action she's currently taking does not does not match with what she said at the end of the episode no like in this episode like her motivation seems to be to try to save the world she's in right like and also and also we still don't know when that conversation takes place and i'm starting to suspect neither neither does the writers yeah i'm with you on that we really need to read the book. We really need to read the book and try and find I'm out. I'm definitely going to read it soon. Like, I, now that I've <laughs> finished this uh, season, I'm going to read it. If if for no other reason than to restore some of my faith in William Gibson as a writer. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I know is apparently Bob is an entirely new character. He is not in the book. That does Which not surprise sense. me at all. Which makes sense. <laughs> Um, we and have also, gone through half this bottle, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you're the worrying alcoholic on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I meant so, it when so, I said I wasn't going to do this sober. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to break out of the roles we've like, cornered ourselves <laughs> in. You know? <laughs> Today, I will play the part of the alcoholic. <laughs> I'm actually too uh, too busy, angry ranting that I haven't actually finished my scotch. Um, <laughs> I've drank like four of these, man. I don't know what you're up. What's slowing you down? And like, we don't want to ha- we don't want to harp on about this, but this is the big reveal. Like, this is supposed to be everything that pins this together. This is the end of the season and the big twist plan, and it makes no sense. <laughs> It's like a magician at the very end of a show, just like falling flat on his ass and screwing everything up and like still managing to pull a rabbit out of a hat and being like, ta-da, look at all this awesome stuff I did. What What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And like, I know where they're trying to leave it. What they're trying to leave it now is in the future, in the season two, the main conspiracy uh, uh, conspirator on Flynn's side is now going to be Lobia because Lev is going to turn on them, right? Um, So it's going to be Lobia and Flynn working together against Lev and Charisse, and the Neoprims are going to be the wild card. No, I don't don't disagree. And as much shit as I gave Lobia when she was introduced, I actually kind of like her now, Uh, especially in this episode where she's kind of downplayed. She's not as eccentric in this episode. Um, and also, I like her a lot more because she didn't give in to Charisse. I thought the show was going that way, and I felt like that made no sense. But um, they kept that she didn't give in to Charisse. Uh, right, she, and that she, she immediately recognized that she and Flynn could have the same goal. You know, like, mm-hmm. and she immediately exploited that, and she did it in a compassionate way. She wasn't like she wasn't trying to be manipulative. She was just you know, explaining what the stakes are and how she can help. Um, And I appreciated that. I thought that was good character development for her. Also, can we go back to one very important thing uh, the show is is telling us and is counting on for this uh, final gambit to make sense? The fact that Cherise can't get to Flynn in their new stop 
and she wouldn't be she wouldn't know where it is. Well, yeah, because she Why? destroyed the Why? she destroyed the, the, the pocket watch. <laughs> pocket obviously. Watch. Come on. Yeah. Everybody knows how f- that works. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? We've never seen that fucking pocket watch before. We presume, like, I mean, and, and it's dumb. Us- Everything is digital. So, like, <laughs> yeah. destroying this one pocket watch doesn't change the data that should be in that table computer. You know, like, <laughs> well, okay, even if it is like, even if it is like a USB drive with all your crypto on it, right? <laughs> like, destroying what? Destroying that will actually get rid of digital information. Like, even if we uh, acknowledge that, it's an all or nothing thing. Has she lost? Has she lost um, uh, her ability to um, reach any stops or just the new stuff? Why? Like, did the pocket? Yeah, we don't know because yeah. it hasn't explained it. Yeah, it didn't explain yeah. shit. <laughs> like, because logically, if you're saying like this, this physical thing is required, then then she shouldn't be able to access any um, any stuff anymore. And plus, that doesn't even make sense because Lev has been accessing the stuff the whole season. He doesn't know he doesn't know shit all about that mausoleum <laughs> or that pocket watch. So clearly you can still access stubs with su- certain information. We don't know exactly what, because once again, this show doesn't tell us anything for fear of having to commit to a logical thing that they might change <laughs> later. Like, but but definitely somebody can somebody can access stubs with certain information about its existence. Um so what they're and saying is also like you're you're still gonna have Flynn from that new stub going into the present or the future, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that can be traced back. And that's obviously yeah. what's gonna happen. Like her working with Lobier is gonna somehow get back to Sharice yeah. and she's gonna be able to figure out where the stub is. Like that doesn't seem too hard to me. And also, it doesn't even have to come to that. Like I said, there is only one logical logic logical vague time. Like she might not have the exact time or exact day, but there is one only one logical time that um, makes sense for Flynn to branch off the stub. So why would like why wouldn't Sharice immediately figure it out? Why Sharice wouldn't think she would branch off the stub three weeks ago. Sharice <laughs> is gonna think like, oh, she's probably got branched uh, branched it off like sometime this week, like a few days ago. <laughs> but but she said you can't do it without the coordinates. Isn't that enough for you? <laughs> Whatever the fuck the coordinates are. Yeah. <laughs> is it in that watch? Like, does she know what the coordinate is? Also, I don't mean to digress, but like yeah. that mausoleum fight also wasn't very good. It was like very no. heavily edited. There was one yeah. cool moment where she like has an axe against the wall and then she shoves the guy into the axe. That's kind of cool. That was, that was cool. That was cool. But the whole fight is 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 just hyper cut. It's like that one taken uh taken three. There's like a like famous thing. You can find it on YouTube where yeah. where you're just seeing Liam Neeson go over a fence and it's like 20 cuts. <laughs> that's kind of what this fight scene felt like. It's like they didn't have the time to choreograph it properly. So they just tried to splice together really, really quick clips to make it look cool. Um, It wasn't very good. (laughs) They've had way better fights in the show before. This one was pretty lackluster. And do you, did you notice that contrived setup so they can pass it off that Charisse didn't know where she started the stuff? Um, Cherie's only uh, 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 she inhabited a body that couldn't stand up, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> the angle she couldn't see the screen, so she so she couldn't tell. Is there no security cameras in that mausoleum? There should be. Is there no security camera that she can replay? <laughs> <laughs> also, 
what the fuck is the point of this room? Like, you've got a whole bunch of, like, peripherals standing around in a room full of weapons. Why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, medieval like, weapons, too. Like, not guns, but, like, axes like and Assassin's Creed and all over again. Oh, it's and... Very Assassin's Creed. <laughs> and another important thing I didn't even say, uh, because I forgot. Uh, you know how I said uh, Flynn doesn't have to branch off the timeline? from before Cherise ordered the, the nuclear silo blow up plot. I'm right in that she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to do that to save the original timeline, but the new timeline she branched off, if she, if she branched it off after Cherise ordered it, then the nuclear silo plant is still happening in the new timeline. No, that's what I was saying. And I'm actually okay with that because like I said, it gives the second season like an action scene to start with, like them going immediately yeah. to the Mitchell silo. If this were a yeah, show that... that I suspect won't actually do that, but if it could, that would be a cool way to start the second season. But then Flynn died for no reason. Like, if she could do that in the new timeline, why not do it in the old timeline? This whole scene... Uh, this well, because, like, Sharice would still be after her. In the, in, at least the idea in the new stub is that Sharice isn't after her anymore. At least not Okay. okay. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that, okay, that does make sense. Yeah, only if they started with uh, them uh, thwapping the uh, missile silo thing. So now, like, the old one is safe because Flynn in that is dead. Um, she called it off. The new one is safe because they they have thwarted her latest plan and she doesn't have access to it. Right. Just because they say it, we don't know why she doesn't have access to it. <laughs> I feel a lot like this episode is trying really, really hard to be like the first season finale of Westworld. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't land the same way, like at all. It doesn't make any as much sense and it it at least the, the first season of Westworld set it up a lot better. Like it, it, you could see it coming. It was kind of like the whole idea of Westworld was coming to a head. Um, this, it just, it felt like they were, they were struggling to figure out how to get where they were, they were supposed to be going because they'd been digressing for so long that they forgot what they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> you yep. know? Um, I don't know. God, I hated this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's think about other characters in the both the old stuff and the new stuff. Burton is going to be very upset in both stubs. Yeah. In the old in the old stuff, Burton is gonna kill Corner. There is no <laughs> way. There is no way he's gonna forgive her. No matter what. Like even if the even if they commu Connor communicate clearly about the plan, there is zero chance that Burton is gonna forgive Connor. I think the plan was that Burton was never supposed to find out. Like Connor was supposed to make it look like um Sharice or Lobier had yeah. succeeded and that like yeah. he had nothing to do with it. And I think he would stick to that. I don't but then again, they have those haptics, they're kind of linked. Yeah. And Burton's not an idiot. He's, yep. he's actually pretty smart. I think he would figure it out. And you're right. He would probably kill fucking Connor for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And okay, also, right. not, not only he will kill Connor, he's not gonna he's not gonna let this stand. He's still gonna use the peripheral technology to come to the future and get revenge. And what the fuck is gonna happen when you've got like two Connors, Connor, two <laughs> or two Burtons from two different timelines trying to get into the same peripheral body? Like, are we gonna deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> notice, notice she didn't do shit about her mother. She's still going to be dead in both. Yeah, stuff. her mom's <laughs> fucked either way. <laughs> and so is Jasper. Damn it. <laughs> we all care yeah. about Jasper, right? <laughs> God, I've turned on this show so hard. <laughs> I actually, 
when, when the episode finished, I actually like, okay, okay, maybe if I sit down and think about it, it's not so bad. Like, maybe I'm not thinking through the rules properly. And the more I think about it, the angrier I got. No, honestly, like, after I finished watching it, I was kind of in this, like, limbo where I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. And I yeah. just kind of let it sit for a few days. And then when I watched it again today, I was seething. Like, everything I realized was wrong with it, like, in my subconscious just came flooding out. I'm like, this is an insult to my intelligence. <laughs> I'm fucking mad at this show. I'm, now I'm, I'm kind actually... of drunk, so, you know, I'm free to say these things. Um, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to season two because of so, how, how much of a shit show this episode is. Because I'm like, I can't wait to see what kind of half-assed nonsensical explanation they give. Because everything we logically laid out and we're like, this is the best case scenario. This is logically what she did. But it still doesn't make sense. They might not even go that way. They might just... They might just give a completely left field explanation that we're going to have to decipher and deconstruct. So I'm really looking forward to that. Listeners, I urge you to go back to the very first episode of The Peripheral that we talked about <laughs> and how much faith we had in the writers and how like we were certain that they were really smart and they had all these like intricate plans that were going to pay off. And then compare that to how we feel in this episode <laughs> where we don't trust the writers to do shit in the second season. Um, I will say... Okay. They have less legwork to do to fix things than, say, the writers of Halo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the writers of Halo are interested in fixing anything. Well, I mean, uh, they fired a lot of them and they've rehired other people, so that helps. <laughs> actually, some listeners made us real made me realize recently we never actually released the second <laughs> half of Halo episode because we just got sick of it so much. We should actually release it as a bonus episode at some point. Um. Uh, okay, so the, the, before we uh, tackle, like, there are some thoughts I had about the the we get into it a little bit, but there's some thoughts I have about the whole season as a as a concrete thing that I want to talk about. But before that, let's talk about the after credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, my note is pretty much all I have to say about it. What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, two things I like. Um. <laughs> Lev's wife being a stone cold motherfucker when she sees like, <laughs> oh, the elders are here. What did you do? <laughs> and she's just like, well, I love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, this is not my problem. Don't fucking rope me into it and just leave. Um, and also like the conversation they have coming up the stairs about how much she hates his mom. <laughs> The nerfification of Lev is now complete. It is officially a joke now. Yeah. Which is so yeah. sad because he was probably my favorite character in the show. Um, and I still have hopes that in like a second season, he could still be a big player. Yeah. But man, they have made him so they've castrated him. <laughs> they made him a butt of a joke um, yeah. and a joke that literally, you, literally, literally is he's the butt of the joke. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then they, they set it up like him clearing his asset to the RI and like basically I think they're I think what they're saying is that he's got to like kill Ash and Ossian and anybody else related to it probably even Wilf um and like that's supposed to be a threat and something we're supposed to be worried about but at the same time they're laughing at him like yep it's a it's a tonal cognitive dissonance and I don't I don't get what they were going for here and why is this an after credit scene like an after credit <laughs> yeah. scene is supposed to be this big tease for something impressive that's going to happen yeah and that's not what this is. This is just like a weird 
kind of yeah. moment that doesn't really seem to relate to anything. It's yeah. like Lev wasn't actually in the episode, so they had to squeeze him in at the end. <laughs> yeah. One one I realized there's an after credit episode because like nowadays at the end of season I do like the fast forward through the thing, and I thought it was going to be something about the fallout of the plot. Right. Uh, it's going to be a little tease. No, this is just dumb. This should have come <laughs> even should have come even before the plot. Like also like realize I left didn't even realize that Ash betrayed him at all. This episode, like yeah, we didn't <laughs> see any of that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, one other weird thing that I forgot to mention is that like Ash and Ossian are still talking in their weird pig Latin. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I guess I guess even though Lev can understand them, other people still can't. But also they're still saying things that they probably don't want Lev to hear. Yeah, they're still saying things like we've got a yeah. new master now. You know? like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand. And also, uh, if you uh, if after watching the first episode, um, you told me there was going to be the line, we've got a new master now in this show, I would have said, nah, this show's better than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Star Wars shit. <laughs> and I like Star Wars, but this is not supposed to be like that. Um, <laughs> no, as much as I love Star Wars, the one thing I will not defend is the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Somehow Palpatine's return. <laughs> okay, uh, Rise of Skywalker doesn't count, okay? <laughs> um, uh, and the, another thing I liked in this scene is the um, post-Putin dysphoria. Like, they dropped that line. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm so starved with world building in this show that I'm like, every single little crumb they give me, I'm like, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> the weird thing is, I feel like I could have enjoyed this scene. Like, I could have enjoyed these old Russian guys, like, drinking yeah. and making fun of Lev. If it yeah. had been, like, in a different place in the entire season, like, if these characters yeah. were, like, you know, characters that we'd met before, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> they well, seem you know, like fun guys. Like, I'm I'm totally down with them. I'm totally yeah. down with them punking on Lev. I think it's great. But, like, <laughs> here is an after credit scene to the whole season. It's just <laughs> weird, man. <laughs> what? Just giving you Russian fright isn't enough? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I miss my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, Mother and, Russia. Yeah, like, and yeah, that's um that's also like it just this world doesn't make any sense. They're like, oh, they the old countries don't exist anymore. Like we can't really think about them as now. But like <laughs> also like all the claps are clearly all Russians. <laughs> and they're still talking about Putin, which should have been like 80 years ago now. Yeah, really. How, how old are these motherfuckers? <laughs> Oh, uh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And okay, so let's talk about the, uh, uh, my problems with um, the season as a whole. And you lightly touched upon it when you were talking about the Russians. You said uh, they're so afraid of our eye and why. That is the biggest failure of this season because uh, we get given a lot of lip service about how scary and om almost omnipotent and ruthless R.I. is, but we don't get that at all. Like, we, we get a little bit of their ruthlessness. We needed to start the season with the disassembler swarm that they talked yes. about. We needed yes. to start with that. We needed to see it viscerally yep. and gory and gross and awful. Yep. 
that way we would know what the stakes are. We are told that R.I. is evil. We're told that the Kleps are evil. We're told that these freedom fighters are supposedly fighting for a good cause, but we never actually see any of that. We don't yes. understand the stakes. We don't give, we're not given any reason to care. Yeah. And even if you buy into their cruelty, because they do, they do see, they do show us um, a little things here and there about their cruelty. That's fine. Right. But it's still not to the level that they pay lip service to, but they, you know, they killed um, what's their own security, head of security without a thought. Right. They did that stupid bee thing to that woman. <laughs> uh, yeah. All of that. That was like, just that's, goofy. That, yeah, in no, hindsight, not... maybe with the effects of the bees, maybe uh, Disassemble the Swarm would have looked really stupid. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that's fine. But the thing that is really undersold is their competence. Like, they're supposed to be this like omnipresent, like almost omnipotent machinery that control everything. But I, I've, I've done this. I've done part of this rant before in Alia. All we see them do is repeatedly fail to kill a girl. Right. <laughs> in a like Daniel's supposed to be really scary. Daniel dies like three episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> do we also forgot the fact that Flynn literally snapped Cherie's neck in a peripheral <laughs> before as well? Like, right. like they they've they failed to kill this little girl in her peripheral body in the world they control as a government. Like and they couldn't the, even they couldn't even let they couldn't even let the Sharice uh coid kill the Flynn coid. Like if they yeah. did that, it would have actually had an impact. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, she had to still beat the bad guy because yeah. we can't actually see Sharice do anything. <laughs> yeah. And in the kill some character where... we don't care about. <laughs> In the stuff where they are steering its entire history as well, they couldn't kill her either. They keep trying over and over again in an increasing stupid way, like an Aesop fable where the boy keeps sending animal down the well to <laughs> rescue the animal at the bottom of the well. <laughs> okay, in the very beginning, when they hired that one like mercenary group to take her out, yeah. when that happened, I thought to myself that they underestimated Burton and his crew because they didn't know yeah. who they were working up against. Yeah. But then later in the season, we learned they know everything about Burton and his crew. In fact, they gave Burton and crew the technology they used to be kick ass. Yeah. So they should have known what they were up against. So there's no excuse for them to hire these crappy ass wish mercs. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and everything else, and Bob, and, and Bob. everything else, fucking Bob, and, and um, uh, and Corbell, <laughs> everything they did in the stuff was stupid. And this brings us to the uh, these are just the, everything we noted so far is a failure to convince us of their omnipotence in the plot point. This brings us to an actual plot hole, which is at the end of the the, the season in season in episode eight. They uh, what is happening when they are blowing up the silo is they what is said is they're using their mind control technology you know right the ability to influence people's emotions and actions to accelerate the um the blowing after the silo that happens in the prime timeline much later they're trying to accelerate it by influencing their emotions so they have enough control over that technology um to to a point where they can actually influence people that much right that, te that technology is in Flynn's brother and his whole gang. Wh why don't they ever even explain why R.I. doesn't use the technology they have installed in Flynn Connor and their entire mercenary gang? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I made that point a couple episodes ago, yeah. 
Yeah, but like we thought it was gonna get explained away later. Nope. Or that like they <laughs> that they don't know. They're just hoping we don't think about it. Yeah. Like why? Like <laughs> and wouldn't it be if- really interesting to see like Burton, I mean, yeah. to see Burton like conflicted like that and being like manipulated to try to attack yeah. his own sister, you know, like to yeah. see that struggle, that would be really cool. I could imagine yeah. like 50 different scenes that that could play out in that would be interesting. Right. But no. And I know it's not supposed to be like they, they blah blah over it, but they, they imply that it's not supposed to be direct mind control. It's more like influential, right? But if they can get people to blow up a fucking missile silo, I mean, I, right, yeah. exactly. And also, <laughs> even if they could just make them kill themselves, they would be able to get, <laughs> get to Flynn much easier. Connor doesn't even need that much of a push. He's already on the edge. They've <laughs> 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 turned off all the serotonins. <laughs> And honestly, in a in a like a firefight between Connor and everybody else, I would put my money on Connor. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh and that also brings me to why doesn't why doesn't Charisse know that the technology is in Flynn's head until Ash told her? I thought she already does. I thought that's why she was hunting her down. <laughs> it makes no fucking sense. Is there no camera in that Godfont room? Like, did you not see the ray being shot entirely into Flynn's head? <laughs> it did seem like she didn't quite understand where the information was. Like, when she confronted Flynn, or when Flynn confronted her, really, um, she was talking about how, like, you stole information. And, like, like she thought that Flynn already knew this information mm. and knew where it was. Like, I don't think she realized it was actually in her head, like, literally in her head. Yeah, but that's dumb. It is dumb. I agree. She should have like, (laughs) but apparently surveillance cameras don't exist in this crazy future. (laughs) Cherise knows about Burton and Connor and all of that, right? Like Cherise does. Yeah. (laughs) It just uh, it made no fucking sense. Oh, and do you? uh, I have another point. Before that, I'll throw to you. What do you have about the season as a whole? I feel like. Something you said a couple episodes ago, you felt like you've been sold a bill of goods. It's kind of how I feel right now. Um, I feel like there is there is a really clever, interesting story in here. Um, it's just not being told very well. Mm. Um, I'm actually I find myself now that we've reached the end. I feel like I'm more invested in some of the things that are happening in the present storyline than the shit that's happening in the future. I really could care less about the future now. Um I don't give a shit about Sharice. I don't really give a shit about Lobier. Yeah, I'm tiny, I'm kind of taking a shine to her, but I don't really care. Um I definitely do not care about Wilf. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't give I don't even know what the what purpose Wilf is serving on the plot. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm more interested in what's gonna happen between like Tommy and Corbell than I am what's gonna happen between Lobier and Sharice, you know? That's kind of where I'm at. Um, I really like the thing that was really anchoring me to the future storyline was Lev, but he's been so kneecapped that like, I don't even care about Lev anymore. Um, and I don't really understand why Flynn wants to keep fighting in the future instead of just like taking the information and trying to make a better world for herself in this new stub. Um, but I guess we'll figure that out in the second season. I don't know. Like, I I like she wants to win. I really like the idea of the story and I like some of the themes it's playing with. And I feel like there are great places it could still go, but I've lost all faith in these writers. I've lost all faith in their ability to tell a coherent story with the tools they've, they've been given. And I really hope that William Gibson's not the problem 
um, because I really love William Gibson and it would disappoint me to no end to read the book and find out that all these problems are in the book. I've seen the book. It doesn't seem particularly thick. No, it seems pretty thin. I've looked at it too. Like I haven't actually like looked at the actual words. I haven't read the back yeah. or anything, but like I've seen the physical book. Yeah. I have a feeling what happened is they wanted to adapt the book. They want to adapt the book, but in a way that pays itself to at least a few seasons of TV shows. And there probably wasn't enough material in there. Yeah. I feel like they, they put in a lot of filler yep. where they shouldn't have like, like like we were saying earlier in this episode, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that should have been set up earlier, but instead of setting up the things that needed to be set up, they were just doing shit like Bob, you know? <laughs> it's just annoying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's where I'm at. A, a few podcast episodes ago, I said this show is feels like it's a six episode worth of content squeezed into eight. I'm wrong. Yeah, I think you're this giving show it way is, too much credit. I think this show is four episodes worth of content squeezed into eight. <laughs> I kind of agree. Um, and one of those episodes, one of those four episodes, we didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they deleted all the conversation in which like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, this doesn't make sense. We don't want to explain these rules. So they got rid of all those things. Um, here, here, like, we're not inherently against filler if the filler is good. Like, you, like there are a lot of ways to take a small piece of work and pad it out in a way that is actually rich and rewarding. No, I mean, I'm sure but this is not I the way to do it. I can't come up with any examples off the top of my head because I'm a little drunk. But like, I'm sure that if you look at a, a serialized story, uh, a series like, say, you know, Firefly or Deep Space Nine or something that has like a big long story arc, there are going to be individual episodes that have nothing to do with the big story yep. arc that are yep. really cool and really interesting and some of the best shows of or some of the best episodes of the show yeah that can be done like you like yep. i said we're not against filler filler can sometimes yep. be great um, you've actually this... given a great you actually given a great example before x-files right x-files right the the monster yep. of the week some of the monster of the yep. week episodes are better than the rest yep. of the show honestly yep. um like that one with the and... toilet monster man that one freaked me out <laughs> And Buffy as well, I think. Buffy, it's yeah, like, yeah. Or Stargate, like a lot of the individual episodes, um, they, they left behind to tackle their own little arcs, and that's interesting. There's and even the brings... Japanese concept of no, which is like the silent moment between events. Mm. This is Eric popping in during the edit to correct myself. Because I was drunk, I got it wrong. It's not no, it's ma, and it basically translates to negative space. Here in the West, we would kind of interpret it today is like liminal space that kind of thing um so anyway back to the show like you see this a lot in anime where like there will be one episode where it doesn't seem like anything's actually happening but it yep. can be really poetic and interesting like to just take a screenshot of all the characters and where their emotional state of mind is at any given moment um and i think that can be really interesting in and of itself but like you said the show doesn't do that at all <laughs> yeah in certain animes, there are eight episodes of that. Right. People who people who survive the time loop, uh, endless eight episode from Haruhi Suzumiya's Reunite. <laughs> <laughs> There's eight episodes in that anime, which is just the same episode over and over. There's only about three to five minutes of difference between each episode. <laughs> time loop. And it was a fucked up thing to do on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> Basic to no fans. <laughs> anime can really fuck you up, man. I, I'm still reeling from the last couple episodes of Berserk. <laughs> <laughs> oh you need to finish chainsaw man my friend oh you're right i do yeah <laughs> <laughs> and um well one last thing i uh, like i want to cap off the thing uh, uh, things about filler 
um, what the way I would have uh, like I know it's easier in hindsight, but the way I would have um, done this if they really needed they really wanted to cover the, the um the plot they gave us in this season with fillers, what they really needed to do is not put things like bobs in. They really needed to to put all the important revelations, like to squeeze them into the first two and the last two episodes. Um, and, and like, we, we need to get to Connor and his trauma earlier. We need to get to um, like um, the his story arc of what will, which will eventually result in him wanting to live at the peripheral earlier. Get rid of all the Bob stuff. Maybe even Corvell ones. Like, there's a lot of things in the middle that are holding patterns. Like. Um, Maybe get get rid of that earlier. Maybe it just lead to like Corbell finding out about something weird going on and investigating. Because instead of like this back and forth about like would he kill them? Will he kill them? All of that and things in the middle should be things we find out stupidly in conversation <laughs> or being found out naturally by Flynn in the future. Things like things like um what are neoprims, things like the AR thing, things about um all the world building about the future. Um, if you want to pet it out, there should be three or four episodes in the middle where Flynn is like doing just like errands for for um left because he is like maybe dangling the potential cure over her head so and that gives you opportunity for just like random action scenes like what's the problem yes, with that? exactly <laughs> then we can then maybe we'll be able to find out more about neoprims instead of a bunch of uh, fucking idiots sitting in a forest at the in the last episode <laughs> maybe we need to be find out like through world building like in the middle in the, the middle episode of uh ghost in the shell standalone complex like we will find out more things about the world about the <laughs> ar thing instead of a uh, wolf going after seven episode being like oh look we're actually in AR with fake people. <laughs> but don't take the wrong lessons from standalone complex. This show doesn't need Tamagotchis. Touch comas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, are you hating the little robot spiders? Just the voice. I love the little robot spiders. <laughs> Just the voice. <laughs> um, See, that, I would start the whole season instead of starting with Aelita and Wilf and setting them up as like main players. Hmm. You should start off with where it ends you should start off with connor shooting flynn in the head start yep. with that and then yep. start the flashback and then start the story um to see how you could possibly get to that point from that's where a, you begin. that's a great idea actually that's a great idea so um and what so when we meet um connor we're like oh this guy is a pitiful character but we know he's gonna kill Flynn, right? Exactly. So like, what the fuck is gonna happen? You know, <laughs> I think that would be way more interesting, just like yes. emotionally, narratively, and also it sets you up to understand who the main characters are instead of like giving yeah. you Aelita and Flynn, who really aren't main characters. Yes, or Aelita and Wilf. I mean, yeah, and also definitely don't have Aelita disappear for six fucking episodes <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, really. That's dumb. <laughs> I mean, I know she was in flashbacks, but she was she wasn't there. And also, um, they they really needed to tell us that Aelita and um, Wilf are brothers, or uh, Alia, or not at all. Right. <laughs> like they need to keep on because uh, if you really look back, like now that we have the whole story, if we put them all in a timeline together, 
it doesn't make any sense. So they grew up as orphans together in the wild. They got adopted together. They ran away again and lived in a secret hideout for about two years. They got caught again. They lived with the family and then they drifted. Like they left the family when they had grown. They drifted apart to a point where he ran up to her at the bequest of a criminal in the middle of London at some point. And she's like, what do you want? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I just saw you from across the street. <laughs> None of that shit makes sense. You're right. No, doesn't. But, but they but they still care about each other enough to a point that he's like risking his life and limb hunting her down for Lev. Because he's not really doing that for Lev. He doesn't care that much about what Lev wants. He's hunting her down because he thinks Flynn, he thinks um, Alita is in trouble. <laughs> that no, that it, relationship makes no sense. No, it doesn't. But like, <laughs> I again, I feel like there there's a good idea in there. Like the idea that he's motivated by a need to find his sister that he's fallen, like uh, separated. Like that he's... What am I trying to say? God, I, I am a little drunk. <laughs> that he's kind of like estranged from. Like, yeah. there's a good, there's a good character motivation there, but they don't really exploit that, no. and you never really buy these two as being all that close. Yeah. Um, they, I, granted, they have a little bit more chemistry than Wilf and Flynn, but not that much, really. And also, they stop developing Burton's character after episode two. <laughs> Like they they develop him a little in relation to Connor. That's it. Burton have nothing to do other than be the man that have to shoot things that need being shot at. <laughs> after episode two, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. He doesn't really have anywhere to go though. Like he doesn't. He doesn't really give him much. Yeah, he doesn't affect anything. <laughs> the, the last thing he affect was like um, uh, threatening uh, Corbell. And because that was his agency, his decision. Even the murdering of Bob is everybody was there. He was the he was just the one the, the man that rushed in and pulled the trigger. Like it's yeah, not... he was basically a tool, and I mean that yeah. literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's my entire take of it. Like they sideline the interesting characters to develop uninteresting characters in weird way that when we get the bigger picture, make no sense. Right. I agree. <laughs> I think Alita is the poster child of that. Her character makes no sense at the end of this, uh, this series. And Lev? <laughs> I can love, <Lev>, man. <laughs> they just left so... dirty. He was so yeah. cool when he came on. And yeah. by the end, he's literally just a joke. <laughs> and are they actually going to do anything interesting with the uh, interesting characters that are left behind? Like, Are we going to get anything from Lev's wife that isn't just his Lev's wife? Because there is an interesting <laughs> element that like she seemed to come from a more powerful family and uh, she and their relationship seems to be like yeah like a relationship but also seems to be like ready to betray each other at any time right that's interesting but are they gonna do anything with it i don't know <laughs> and we keep getting like we keep getting references to love's dad being this like really important figure in the clept society and is that gonna be important i don't even know anymore <laughs> yeah well why did his dad let these three um, Russian chuckleheads reschedule their lunch. Like, doesn't he think that something's sus? <laughs> <laughs> and Flynn and uh, Burton's dad. What the fuck? <laughs> yes. Oh, that will definitely become relevant season two. Uh, I bet. Now that they're doing, like, different stubs and stuff. And also, do you see there are other stubs that are uh, that branch off from far later in the future in that yeah timeline? but you, you can't read most of them like you can only see like the first couple there's like 2032 and then like 2050 something and something yes yeah. yeah 
Um, uh, do they have a stub just at the jackpot? Like, will we? I guess the question is like, will we visit other stubs other than the one we've been visiting this season and the new one? Will we visit other stubs next season? I think we have to. I think we have to get like stubs that show us more of what happens in the jackpot. Like, I think we're gonna get we're gonna have to see stubs earlier than 2032 and we're going to have to see stubs way after 2032 to get like a more complete sense of the world being built and the different ways that it's being manipulated through yeah. ri and other other players I, I think we have to see other stubs but how would like the rules they set uh right now doesn't allow us to visit the other stuff like how would like flynn and burton's and the like visit like a stub in 2058 because the only way we've seen other people in the future come back to stubs is through like um when in, in vr like daniel <laughs> through, yeah yeah through when they're in the scene <laughs> no, i think i think what's going to happen is we're going to see ri put like peripheral technology into the past so that like they can actually enter coid bodies in the past so they can like literally place themselves into a stub i think we'll we'll see that by the end of the sh show if it goes on long enough i'm gonna make a bet to you that they they're going to completely undo what they did in this season finally in the episode one of next season i think that sharice is gonna immediately get access to the new stub oh i that's definitely my... hear that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's outside the realm of possibility yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I think we've ranted about this enough. And Eric, uh, we're going to come back for season two when it comes out, right? Oh, of course. I yeah, I, we have to keep talking I, about this. Yeah, I think <laughs> I have to come back just out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like we're definitely going to talk about Halo season two, right? <laughs> I don't think I can bring myself to tackle Halo season two episode by episode. But we will definitely have to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, Halo season one and with the dream sequence on the Halo, right? Yeah. Am, I, am I misremembering that? No, yeah. you're not misremembering. <laughs> it's going to be a fun role reversal where you're like, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm going to be like, yeah, let's talk about Halo. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember when you had sex with the prisoner of war? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many crimes in one thing. <laughs> Oh, fucking uh, Halo. I, I, I try to bring up Halo so it makes me feel better about peripheral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, let's not go in about what's terrible about Halo right now. Uh, <laughs> okay, so let's, like we said before, if you missed it, we're going to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once next episode. Absolutely. You should go watch it. It is a great movie. It is very weird. I cannot guarantee you'll like it, but it's something you should experience. I love it. <laughs> um so uh so like i said um standalone next episode and probably maybe a couple more episodes as we um uh try and figure out where which big series to hit next um maybe hoping that something big is coming out episode by episode soon because uh you might suspect that's how we gain more listeners the best the easiest uh people who are watching shows that uh later than it comes out usually are not the same crowd that listen to podcasts while doing it so um we love doing this but this means nothing's without our listeners so if you like our um our podcast our little podcast recommend it to your friend if you find particular episodes that we've tackled it is on something they might like recommend it to them you know um and 
of course, give us a review on platform of your choice. And uh, Spotify is good. Apple is great. Not the company, the, the platform <laughs> for the promotion of our podcast. Oh, I'm taking that one out of context for sure. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> And if you have any idea on where we should go next, email us at thestreamingheap at outlook.com. And until next time, when we talk about EAO, (laughs) (laughs) I've been Lynn, and this has been The Streaming Heap. And I've been Eric, and life is but a stream. Goodbye. Goodbye. Jesus Christ, this episode. Uh, Ah, It's annoying. uh, Um, Yeah. Apple is great.